Good morning, good evening, and welcome, people, to episode 248. We are just two away from two fucking fifty, which is amazing. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Matt Foster, and as ever, I am joined by... Ian Loring, I'm drinking Budweiser. It, it, oh my god, it's it, it, it's like going back to episode one. <laughs> yeah, like fucking right. The price of the price of craft beers is expensive. It's it really annoying. It and, is. Yeah, I, I know. I bought a um, was it a four or a six? It may have even been a four pack of Camden Pale uh, cans. Right. Mm. Um, 330 i think they are yeah, yeah, yeah. um cans uh and that was six pounds right now i like to and, and, and do you know what i only wanted a couple of cans anyway mm-hmm. but i'm guessing that for an extra couple of quid i could probably have bought a 12 pack of cause yeah. or budweiser or Peroni or, or, or whatever on there, and people would say, "Yeah, but it's it's like drinking piss and things like that," which is which I I, I can kind of get behind. Yep. But to give an example, I'm going away um, for the weekend next weekend, um, where I'll be essentially just sort of chilling around a log cabin as I have done before and I've spoken mm-hmm. before, mm-hmm. Um, sat in a hot tub, eating food and drinking beer and gin. Now, do I want to spend? I lived the majority of my time drinking a craft ale for that. Do I want to drink over the course of a day, starting probably drinking at about midday mm. and finishing at about two in the morning? Mm. That's heavy, isn't it? Mm. If, let's say, even if you were drinking something like that, but mm. not only that, I'm probably going to drink in a day at least 10 bottles at yeah. least because yeah. that shit just goes down that's conservative easy. that's conservative yeah that's really conservative so if i'm going to drink that i don't want to be sp- i don't want to essentially be drinking 60 quids worth of beer every day no, i just buy a couple of crates of um of cars light there we go a couple of crates of cars light probably cost me 20 quid and that will do me for the what is it no, I mean that. That's it. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I will buy a few craft ales to have to kind of go right. Well, you know, I actually I don't fancy just drinking something that I'm just drinking. For, you know, for uh, fucking popcorn essentially. I, I'll have something. I go. Oh, that's 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 nice. Uh, and and there we go. But yeah, for power drinking, not even power drinking, but for chill drinking, it's a little bit different. No, I mean that 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 that's it. I mean, fuck, man, a four pack of Elvis juice is seven quid. Like mm. what? And yeah, so four cans of that. I got twelve bottles of Budweiser for nine pound. That's what, not even an offer. That's just a fucking standard. No, fifteen, sorry, bottles for nine pound. And yeah. it's it's just like it. it I, yeah, it's. I remember. I distinctly remember why I stopped drinking Bud so regularly. You know, but mm. fuck, and they've lowered the ABV again. They'd already done it before, and they've done it again. What's it down to now? 4.5. Is that? Yeah, it was 5, then 4.8, then 4.5. You know, I've got a feeling this might be a little bit of a Brexity move, where mm. they're lo- like, they are literally lowering the ABV to keep the, co- the cost the same. Yeah, I would not be yeah. surprised if that was literally the reason. And Yeah, yeah. it wouldn't surprise you. Yeah, I think... Um... The thing is, the, the, the most 
I think I remember reading it and saying that the most popular, um, the most popular bottled beers to buy um, in UK supermarkets, which most people for home drinking buy from supermarkets, mm. were Coors Light and Bex Beer, which mm. of course are both four percent. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that's it. I mean, it's good. Like I, I had a couple of bottles while I was um, cooking the roast dinner today. I'll, I'll have a few tonight. I'll wake up for work tomorrow and I'll be fine. I'm running fucking 15 miles after work tomorrow and it'll be fine. If I fucking, if I had the equivalent amount of punk, I'd be fucked. That's it. Yeah. So that's it. I I, I can, I know, let's say for instance, I I usually at at home drinking, uh, if I'm just having a few beers on night, um, and I've not got access to. I've not gone and specifically bought beers, and I just go quickly whipping and get some. I'll either buy Brooklyn or Sam Adams. Usually it's Brooklyn, so I'll buy like a six pack of Brooklyn. Mm. If I was to sit and drink a, if I was to basically go away this weekend and take away cost and just drink Brooklyn at the same rate as I will probably drink cars. Oh. Fuck, you know, I get to like, I I'd probably start drinking like midday. I get to four o'clock and need a fucking nap. Wake up at seven o'clock with a mm. hangover mm. and be like, I don't want to do anything now. I just want to, I just, mm. no. I want to watch Beethoven Returns and go to bed. Mm. And that'd be it. Whereas, cause I can, I'll pretty much be, I just continue drinking until it gets to about 11, about 10 o'clock, and then I'll go, should we break at the gin? Oh, man. Like, it is, it's a concern I've got about when you and Noel come down for the marathon weekend that I'm going to be so fucked after the marathon that I'm going to have a couple of pints and just be sleepy. Like, I, I think I'm going to have to, like, have a couple of energy drinks as well just to fucking boost me up. That, that, I, that thing is, thing is, I think it's going to be cool just having, sure, something to eat, some char and a few beers. To fucking... The, the, the Sunday though, after the marathon, I want to do some fucking drinking. Like I'm fine with that as well. <laughs> like that's that's my plan, and I'm I'm just like fucking. I don't know whether sharing a hotel room with you and Noel the night before that is a great idea or a fucking terrible idea. We'll find out. <laughs> like fuck. Anyway, yeah. So and also, I support Anheuser Busch because they were an early um, buyer of. Tesla's electric semi trucks, and they uh, were, yeah, yes. And I support Tesla in every way I can, apart from not o- owning a Tesla because I can't. <laughs> I can't, yeah. Um, you know, so uh, yeah. There we go. Anyway, what, what tangent over? What are we doing on the show today? Uh, what we? What, yeah, what are we doing on the show uh, today? Uh, we are covering. The new Tomb Raider, and we're also going to talk about the other two Tomb Raiders mm-hmm. as well, the early noughties Tomb Raiders. Um, so, yeah, that was an, an interesting thing, um, which were available in the UK, uh, not on uh, Netflix, not on Amazon <laughs> Prime, not on uh, on Sky, but on BBC, because I didn't notice that they were actually co-funded by BBC Films. Is that not fucking crazy? That is insane. Uh, yeah, so they were available on, on BBC. And can I just point something out here? Can I say, well done, BBC. Yeah. Bravo for that. Because what they quite easily could have done is probably sold it to Netflix and gone, well, there you go, you can have the rights to that. 
a, a will take it off ours and you can stick it on yours or, or whatever and take a little bit what is it but they've gone do you know what fuck it let's just put it on there but then they're not allowed to advertise it that it's on there because <laughs> they're not allowed to advertise yeah so it just happens to be on there like literally uh, yeah it just it's on iPlayer it's like what what the fuck are these doing on iPlayer yes uh, and in HD y- yeah no I mean like I'll I'll be honest, I'm glad I didn't do it, but they were available to buy in 4K Dolby Vision for a fiver on iTunes. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, we'll, we'll get to the reasons for why I think you're glad that you didn't do that. Yeah, no, yeah, abs- absolutely. Um, yes. Yes, uh, so yeah, and also as well, um, we're, well we're, we're not going to cover that. Uh, Ian and Noel are going to cover Ready Player One. Uh, just to give a brief explanation of, of the reasons for behind this this was my idea and i i put it towards uh Noel and ian and um, so Noel and ian both went to see advanced preview screenings uh, today of ready player one uh it was playing in cardiff and it was playing in manchester it wasn't playing in york it was actually playing in leeds uh, i originally was going to get a ticket for leeds however there was a the time when i was hovering over my computer to get them uh or my phone sorry to to, to get the ticket i realized that there was at the time there was a, it was only like a 50-50 chance I'd be able to go because of work mm. um, and so I thought do you know what if I get this ticket or these two tickets and I can't go it means two people can't go and see it you can because, cancel them just to let you know yeah, okay, you can, you can cancel, cancel them alright well, I, 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 I didn't think you could at the time no, um, no it's all good and so I thought that's a little bit that's a little bit snide that if I get these tickets knowing that there's a possibility I might not be able to go it's a bit it, it felt a bit mean from me so I decided to not do it um, basically because I thought it was out this coming weekend it's not it's not out for a couple of weeks so I said to uh, Ian and Noel look do you guys want to cover it on the show because of the nature of the film um, and the fact that it's there's an awful lot going on and there's an awful lot of things where it's pop culture references i thought do you know what me coming and watching it and then reviewing it then two weeks later going oh do you remember, do you remember this bit and i'm going not really no i watched like two fucking weeks ago and a lot of shit's happened since then uh, it seems like it'd be, it'd be better fresh in their minds to to review so they both watch it today and they're gonna review it today and then i'll give my two cents uh, when i watch it when it comes out um plus i i i I'll, I'll get to enjoy listening to them talk about it there will be a brief section where i will dip off because ian's <laughs> and both ian and Noel have said it's a sequence that i probably shouldn't hear about yeah so, no it's i um i saw someone tweet about something which slightly spoiled it not the context of it but Ooh. it oh right. yeah it was leading up to something and yes, i was yes, like sir. what hello oh hello sorry i lost for a second there. oh okay uh, no i was just saying um i saw a tweet mention something at and i didn't know the context and then i knew what was gonna happen so, which slightly spoiled it, but not not really. So, I don't really. What it's the one thing in the film that I think, in a way, will come as a surprise. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll 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 leave that I'll, I'll leave that there. So, yes, uh, Mark's gonna 
take his leave for a few minutes while Noel and I discuss that bit. Um, yeah, but no, I, 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 I take your point there. I think Noel and I having it fresh in our minds. Like if if it was like the other way round, if it was like if I was the only one who who'd seen it, exactly, I, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be wanting to talk about it this week. But exactly, but with you both having seen it, it just seemed to make more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also going to have some trailer chat. I think what we'll do, and I haven't actually consulted this with, with Ian, but I think what we'll do is we'll wait until Noel joins, oh, God, and yeah. then we'll chat God, Infinity yeah. War yeah, trailer. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. That just makes more sense. Um, but there's a couple of other ones. Um, we might get time to what we've been watching, but I think I've only watched one I've other thing. One. Um, I've only got one as well. I mean, I would like to mention it, but I've only got one. I've only got one. Right? Do you know what? Fuck it then. Should we do what we've been watching now? Well, yeah, I suppose we could do. I'm just thinking, like Noel said, he was Noel said he was kind of available any time from half seven, not half seven specifically, didn't he? Yes, any time from okay, half seven. Okay, fuck yeah. it then. All right, yeah, go on then, dude. Uh, go on, what, what was yours? What was, what was your what you've been watching? We'll, we'll, we'll mix up the fucking fabric of the show nice. here. We'll go crazy. Nice. What was uh, it you watched? So my first watch since the cinema, um, on Netflix, Donna and I, like, scrolling around Netflix, a little bit pissed, looking for something to watch. You haven't watched this yet, Donna, have you? No? Do you want to watch it? Yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah. Zoolander number two. Oh. Right, I fucking love Zoolander number two, and... The people who were being fucking minge-faced joy assassins about it at the time are still minge-faced joy assassins. That film is delightfully silly. It knows exactly what it is. I don't know whether half the people cameoing in it know what it is, but <laughs> Ben Stiller and Justin Theroux and John Hamburg, etc., they know what this fucking film is. And they ramp it up to, to coin a phrase from Kerr mode, eleventy stupid. And it's amazing. Like, I... Like, they're a solid laugh out. And Donna was, like, laughing a lot as well. Um, have you have you seen this yet? Yeah, I, I, I did. I, 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 you know what? I, I enjoyed it. I, I laughed easily enough. It, it, like you say, it's very, very fucking silly. Like, that's the fucking... But, like, yeah, sorry, John. But it's... I don't know. It, it never felt mean. It oh, never felt no. mean-spirited. No. Which, which I like. I really liked about it. I mean, there's a line I missed the first time somehow as well. So in the film, like, mild... Fucking Zoolander too, but basically, yeah, like, the the, the, the the building that he built, like, collapsed, and the book crushed his wife... And a character says at one point to to him about um, Facebooking someone, and he and he's just like, I don't like, I don't want to talk about Facebook. My wife Facebooked, and it's just, <laughs> it's fucking, it's just, it's great. It's like I, it just. As as long term listeners to the show know, I have what could be described as a unique sense of humour when it comes to these kinds of things. There are there are films that I seem to enjoy, like like Mark in in some respects. Actually, there are films mm. that I enjoy that I think a lot of people would shake their heads at. Yeah, and Zoolander number two appears to be one of them. But the thing is, it just like you say, I think that's a really great point. There's no malice intended it just wants to be stupid yeah and it, and it wants to be a good time and considering the amount of love that the first zoolander got 
this is that, but kind of like cranked up. And it just makes me wonder just how fucking Frank, like I say, more minge faced people have got in the in the intervening fifteen years. And the answer is a lot. Yep. Yeah, that that that's it. it, it it's yeah. we, we, uh, weirdly before I went into um, Tomb Raider earlier, um, me and myself and Bex were talking about. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember. It was just, what film we were talking about. Um, but we're basically saying that we now live in the in the age of a snark, um, whereby it's easier to just to not like something than it is to like something, and it seems to be that people either really fucking like something, or it's just a bit silly and it's not very good, and it's like the exact reasons that people will criticise um, Zoolander two for being crap are the exact same things <laughs> that are in Zoolander it, it's just yeah. it, nowadays no thing is that that kind of little um, wave of comedy we got um, that, that was bore out of a, a particular purple patch for, for Saturday Night Live we got things like Zoolander and we got Anchorman which gave us um, gave, gave us kind of like Ben Stiller, you know, became more prominent. It gave us Will Ferrell, which then ended up giving us um, people like, you know, the people who Steve became freaks and geeks and Judd Apatow and Steve Carell and all mm. these people that um, Paul Rudd became more prominent. Yes, mm. we had him in fucking Clueless, but a lot of these people that now are synonymous with, with, with comedies all kind of came from, from, from that little period there. And you get the feeling that now, if Anchorman or Zoolander were released now, they'd be hated. Yeah, yeah. For a start off, they'd be hated for the first reason, because they're available on Netflix as Netflix originals. That's the first reason they'd be hated. Second is Anchorman would probably get criticised for its constant misogyny. Um, fucking Zoolander would get ridiculed for thinking that all models are stupid mm-hmm. and you know, well, uh, not not all pretty people are stupid. And it'd just be all of that, and you'd be like, do you know what? Fuck it. Just, we can't be bothered. Yeah. It literally, we, we, are, we are in that age of, this is why we can't have nice things. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's that, no, that, that is exactly it. And I, you know, it's weird, because Anchorman 2, I, I, I think... It just it, it's not as good as Anchorman. It does. I don't know. It kind of just feels like it kind of feels like they did. Lightning didn't quite strike twice there. I I like. I actually like the longer cut of Anchorman two more than I did the the theatrical version. I I, I did. However, two of my favourite jokes in Anchorman um, were changed in the longer version, which I liked it overall. But two of my favourite jokes were changed. Uh, I can't remember what they were. I remember when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, I was looking forward to that joke. It didn't, it, it didn't come in this one. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, there are quite a few There are quite a few bits that are just completely different. Yeah, I mean, I think Anchorman 2 is on Netflix. I wouldn't mind giving it a, an, another watch at some point. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, it, but, I mean, between that and Zoolander 2, Paramount had a kind of a weirdly shit couple of years for comedy sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
yeah, I mean, you don't you don't really see the, the, a lot of comedy. I mean, fuck, man, it's hard enough to get a comedy hit these days. But I I think Central Intelligence is getting a sequel. It is indeed getting a sequel. Yeah, yeah and like, good, good. Um, and I, I don't know. I just it'd be fuck, man. I mean, if Baywatch made money, I'd watch Baywatch too in a fucking heartbeat. Well, Baywatch did actually make money. Yeah, well. To, to what extent? I mean, what did it? Okay, let's let's do this then. Well, how much did how much did that make worldwide? Baywatch made hundred seventy eight million worldwide. What's the budget? Seventy. Yeah, I, d- I mean it. I don't think it's doing it, that sequel money. No, it's probably it's probably not quite. The, the, the only way that will get an, a sequel is if uh, if Netflix turn around to the studio and say, do you know what? This had fucking shitloads of watches when we first put it on. Like an obscene amount of watches. That's the only way. Apparently it's done very well on, um, what is it? On digital downloads. I wouldn't be surprised by that. I'm saying saying that iTunes said it was one of the most popular buys of... uh, uh, of the year I, t- I, I tell you what actually fucking that thing's on 4k on itunes the minute that's a fiver i'm i'm all over it uh, all oh over yeah the, it. the minute the minute that the minute that's available for, for a, a fiver i'll be buying it because i mean i've rewatched it and it, it's a bloody enjoyable movie but you know look at something like um game night for instance um cost 37 million and it's done 85 already yeah yeah, you know it, it, that that will you know it's probably had its time, but that might might trickle a ninety ninety five million. That's the thing. I mean, like if you can make a film for a certain budget, that kind of total gross is absolutely fine. And um, a, a slight, ever so slight tangent, just a slight one, just picking up off Annihilation talk last week. Mm. So Annihilation has now made just under thirty million in the US. So Paramount got. The budget of the film plus ten percent plus the US box office minus prints and advertising. So thirty million plus the budget, which was well like sixty million, mm. plus ten percent, so that's sixty six mm-hmm. plus thirty million. So they got ninety six million for that film, at least, and all they've had to do is cover the cost of the of the film. And the print, the, and the the the, the mark, the prints and advertising in the US. Yeah, fuckers are in the black. That fucking thing. I'm sorry again. That film would not see Paramount in the black if they didn't sell it to Netflix. Nope, and Paramount knew that. And Paramount knew that it was a savvy business decision. And hey, apparently you can see Annihilation. There are a few limited one-off screenings actually happening for it now. And you know what? It'll be a 2K DI. Actually, no, it'll probably be a 4K DI in all fairness. And it'll probably look just as good on the big screen in a cinema as it does on my 4K TV. Well, that's probably pushing it a little bit. And you'll have to pay... And you'd have to. I think that in Bristol, it's thirteen quid for a ticket. Thirteen quid for a ticket. Nah. To go and see a film that, 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 in my personal view, you you are. I don't think you'll get anything better out of it on a big screen. But that's my personal view. Yeah. So, uh, um, let's move. Let's move away. Yeah. I before anyone like starts virtually throwing shit at us. Um, so, what was the one you watched, man? 
I watched a cure for wellness. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. Let's. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What do you that, think? You watched this, didn't you? Yeah. You, yeah. You, I did. you, you liked it, didn't you? I. I have no fucking idea how that thing got a wide theatrical release and was funded by Fox. Like, I, it's. I find it staggering. It's yeah, well, I, it's an interesting I, I, fucking film that is. Jesus Christ! I can I, I can agree with you on, on that. It's one of those. A Cure for Wellness is is one of those films that you get about halfway through it and you go, somebody actually came up with this. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? Somebody <laughs> actually came up with this. And it's the thing is right now. Annihilation is a good example, and I'm not just throwing shit at Annihilation. I'm not, but it's a very good example. Right, whereby it's it's being described, um, and I, I I have a particular bugbear for, for, for films that are described as visionary or ambitious, because it's like well anything's ambitious a lot of the time. Most films are quite ambitious. The fucking Expendables was ambitious when you think about it. Let's get a load of action heroes together to form a big movie. That's right. fucking ambitious, right? right? But people would no, never normally describe that as ambitious. It's something that's that looks grand, that's a, a grand kind of idea. Um, now, Annihilation is, in that way, is ambitious. But I can see how somebody has come up with that idea. Not saying that I could come up with it, but I can see how somebody has come up with it. A cure for wellness, I can't really see how somebody has come up with it. <laughs> Which makes it fucking fascinating. Because when you're watching it, you go, okay. And the thing is, you, you, I'm not sure about you, but I, I pretty much went, okay, so he's the Baron. That's, I, I'm fine with that. And I have an idea who she might be, but I might be wrong on her, but I'm pretty sure he's the fucking Baron. Mm. Pretty much straight away. And I don't think the film's trying to hide that from you at all. I don't think that's me working something out. I think it's it's using... Gorobinski is using very much cinema logic and saying, look, this guy's the fucking Baron, okay? And you go, cool, right? And then it carries on going, and I'm going, okay, but what are those, right? So, th- so those... Uh, mild spoilers for cure for wellness those fucking eel things they're in the water and the water's got something to do with this and then when it goes you go all right so i, I I'm, I'm right about that not i've worked it out but it's pretty obvious you, you, you're following these patterns and you're going all right and then it starts to go why are they doing that how how are they getting this stuff in these little elixirs mm. from people by all right this is fucking mad <laughs> How were they? Oh, I don't understand what's going on. This is brilliant, mm. and it, it is. It's. It doesn't all work. It doesn't all land. It's way too fucking long. It is but way it any too short, long. But if it was any shorter, would it be as fascinating? That I'm last not 20, sure it would. The thing is, it's all building up to that like last twenty twenty five minutes where it just goes pure batshit. Almost like yeah. some fucking low-budget Euro horror from the 80s. Absolutely. It, it really does, and that's where it goes. And you're watching it going, okay, I'm now watching a, a, a what was a wide release. This was on fucking, on the side of buses. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, there was TV spots. Um, so I'm watching all of this from 
yes, the director of Pirates of the, of the Caribbean. However, the trailer didn't mention that. The trailer did mention that he was the director of The Ring. Yeah. <laughs> um, starring no major movie stars. Dane DeHaan is a very popular actor, and so is Jason Isaacs. But you would say there, out of the two of them, Jason Isaacs is probably the bigger movie star. And I, if you if you sat in front of, of Jason Isaacs and said, oh, you're a big movie star, he'd probably go, no, I'm not, yeah. to you. He'd, he'd actually be a little bit offended by that. Yeah, he'd say, I was in the Harry Potter movies, I'm not a movie star, I'm an actor. He's almost more famous I, for his association with um, Mark Kermode and whatnot on their podcast than, like, that exactly, yeah. hello to Jason Isaacs, you know, yeah, and for and, his film work. Yeah, so it's got Dane DeHaan, who is... It, yes, he was in the, the Spider-Man movies, but people kind of, I think, probably forget that and go, oh, oh God, shit, yeah, yeah, he, he was. was the James Franco in those, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> fuck, yeah, he was. Yeah, and it stars... It stars the James Franco in the new Spider-Man movies that aren't even new Spider-Man movies anymore. Mark Kermode's mate and fucking Shia LaBeouf's missus. That's, that's right, yeah. But it's, it's, it's a really fascinating kind of sci-fi... Like, they say Euro horror, like, um, like sort of Delicatessen, City of Lost Children mm-hmm. and these kind of things. It's got that palette to it. Um, but it's also it's it, it's like somebody has 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 lived on a, has been locked away in a sanitarium and has been only watching those types of movies and then somebody has given him a copy of Shutter Island and he's gone well I can write the fucking shit out of something now yeah. there we go cure for fucking wellness. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's quite something. I, I I was really quite taken by it. It's fucking bonkers. Did Becky watch it? Yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah. what was she? What was her for? She, she, she really liked it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I kind it, of it, it, it's, it's, it's much more up her street than it is, it is mine. But yeah. she then it was like, I I really enjoyed that. And I was like, Do you know what? Yeah. So now I'm I'm glad we watched it. We started watching it last night at like ten o'clock, so it didn't finish until like nearly one in the morning, mm. uh, which kind of felt right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dana Hine continues to be one of the most interesting um, and thoughtful young actors of his generation. Um, I, I don't think we'll, we'll, we'll ever see Mia Goth become a, a, a popular actress, not because she's bad, just because I get the feeling she's only going to pick weird shit that no one's going to watch. Yeah. Uh, and Jason Isaacs is is great. Peeling his own face off at one point. Oh, fucking yeah. It is. That bit where it goes kind of fucking... I don't know, like... Almost Phantom of the Opera. Oh yeah, yeah. No. It, it is. It, it, it is fantastic. No, that, that like just and that. Then, then him, him, him riding the fucking bike down and going, get in the car and him going, no. <laughs> yeah, just that, yeah, no, quite. I mean, just uh everything about that last twenty twenty five minutes, man. And it just it looks incredible as well. Like it's a, it's a beautiful. There's a there's a gorgeous shot. Um, really early on of a trip where the literally, literally yeah, like, like they've slapped a GoPro to the side of a train yeah. and just taken it through a fucking tunnel. Yeah, that's and, fucking but awesome. But it's a glorious shot. Mm-hmm. Looks fantastic. So it, uh, yeah, I, I'm, it's a cracking little movie. I'm, I'm really, I'm a little bit gutted I didn't go and see it at the cinema because like, it would have been nice to kind of contributed to its, to, to its success because it didn't actually do very well. No, and watching that fucking thing with an audience was funny. I bet it was. I, mean, like, I bet people were there going, 
What? Friday night multiplex audience watching a cure for wellness, man. Like that's just like it's kind of like it's it's one of those experiences you get the feeling you're not going to have that that kind of thing happen much more in the future. Even though I will say, <laughs> sorry, excuse me. Next weekend, Unsane is out, and you know I've got I, I've got I've got some vibes about that. I want to see that with an audience. <laughs> so you know, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see. I, I, I take it we're covering that next week. Unsane, yeah, yeah. It's that or um, what's it called? Oh, Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim, yeah. Oh shit, man! I, fucking the new Soderbergh or the the Pacific Rim film. No one's even sure is real. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I mean, I'm shit. I'll watch both. I'll I'll probably watch both. To be fair, fuck it. I think Unsane will be a more even though Noel Noel will be on for Pacific Rim. He's fucking pumped yeah. for that, isn't he? He is actually really pumped for it. Yeah. All right. I mean, yeah. Okay, we'll see what happens. I'm fucking seeing Unsane anyway. So. Yeah, I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll be seeing Unsane as well. Cool. Um, cool. Right. How should we approach the Tomb Raiders? Ah, uh, let's just fucking do the Simon West one first. Here's, um, by the way, here's the trailer because nostalgia, or not nostalgia. Listen to how a trailer was in the early noughties. I bet it's fucking horrible. I haven't even. Oh, I bet it, it, yet. I bet it was, I bet it started rather than every trailer now starting with a single piano card of. Dun, dun. I bet they, I bet yeah. that started with. <laughs> techno. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. It gives its possessor power of the people of the light. And trained, trained for combat. We can be partners. You might try to kill me. I'm not going to kill you. I said you'd try. Is Lara Croft? Lara Croft. Time to save the universe? Absolutely. Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. Um, So, yes, Lara Croft Tomb Raider, um, also known as Tomb Raider, uh, (laughs) directed by Simon (laughs) West, which is mad. Yeah. Um, so Andrea Jolie, uh, Noah Taylor, John Voight, Daniel Craig, uh, Christopher Barry, Christopher Barry. Um, yeah, Lara Croft. Well, what's it about? Uh, 
Lara Croft is kind of yeah. Well, I, I, do you know what? I don't. I I watched it like a day ago. I, I don't know what it's about. Right. It, Lara Croft. Something is, kicks off the plot, doesn't it? But what is yeah, it? It's her having a fight with a robot in their own house. She's um, training with the robot. Um, Illuminati bullshit stuff. Happens. Oh, this is not, the Ian Glenn not, one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, not a right. lot of not a lot of tomb raiding goes on. Um, yeah, Ian. Um, so, yeah, Tomb Raider. What do you reckon? Um, I enjoyed some of the action. Um, just from a pure kind of fascinating. It's two thousand and one. So yeah. this movie's seventeen years old. Fuck off. Um, just I mean. Just from a pure, my word, how things have aged. Um, yeah, c- c- just to g- give context, right? The Breakfast Club was 17 years old, I believe, when this film was released. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. so just that's, that's just context for, for how far we're viewing this away from. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fucking terrifying that this film came out two years before I started uni. Like... I mean, shit, oh, wow. shit, man. I mean, it was four years before I met... Uh, well, not met Don, but um, hooked up with Don. Um, so, yeah, I mean, fucking time is a fucking bitch and death is coming for all of us. Um, <laughs> it's fucking, like, I just... The way all the action is scored with techno music is just a fucking hell of a thing. Um why does Daniel Craig have an American accent? Why can't he just be a Brit? Yeah, th- th- that makes no sense. It's yeah, just, th- that, there's that, no that, point. Yeah, we'll cut my feelings on this in a minute. You know, <laughs> apart from the fact that Joe Lee's doing a British accent, so what, we can only have a maximum of two major British people in this film? Um, I mean, yeah, the, the plot is absolute fucking bobbins. Um, the way... The way it tr- the film seems to think you care about the relationship between Jolie and Craig by the end is fascinating. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, it, it just... The thing is, I didn't hate my time with it, but I think it was more from a Geostorm point of view that I just was marvelling at the fucking... I mean, I, the, the the sequence where Jolie is practicing by bouncing around on that fucking thing, and then the bad guys storm the manor, and then she's fucking running around on the walls, kicking the shit out of them, I thought was pretty good. Um, the bit where the big statue comes to life, and then basically it's like, right, it's a boss... How is she going to outsmart it? And it's like, well, no, she's not going to outsmart it. She's just going to shoot it a bunch of times. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's almost endearingly shit. But I think you think it's just shit. Yeah, it, 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 it is a piece of shit. Yeah, it's it, 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 it's 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 terrible in every fucking way. Okay. Uh, this movie. Uh, Angelina Jolie. See what 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 I found quite amusing about this was is it, it kind of it, it, when people now look back at Angelina Jolie and and I, I very much doubt a lot of people do, but there will be at some point people will say, "God, whatever happened to Angelina Jolie?" See, people realised she was shit, 
that's what happened to Angelina Jolie. Her accent is all over. I think wrong. Daniel Craig's accent is all over the fucking place. But it seems like for Daniel Craig, it's like it's literally like he's gone. Uh, halfway through it, he's realised. So my so my check as cast then. Yeah, I've been paid for this. Yeah, fuck it. Because <laughs> uh, it does seem like he is. He doesn't give a shit about this movie at all. Mm. And it's weird that what was it like? Was it wait five years later he was in the first Bond? Yeah, yeah. that's mental. Yeah. Um, but and was this the first year? To be fair, the year he did Road to Perdition. To be fair, I was going to say a year later was Road to Perdition, and which he, which he it's gives a fucking fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I think he, he was either nominated or was talked about being nominated for an Academy Award for that, and he was fantastic in Road to Perdition, giving a great American accent in this. He doesn't give a shit. It's literally like he's gone. I turn up, I talk to Angelina Jolie a bit, I take my shirt off, and I get a million dollars. Yeah. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah, fine. Um, yeah, Angelina Jolie's terrible. It's. It, it, I'll give you credit. Some of the action is quite is quite good. It makes no sense whatsoever. And Lara Croft is not an. It's not an endearing character at all. She's basically a spoiled little rich girl with ADD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't even know what she is. It, so it, 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 it hints on being an archaeologist, but she's not. She's just a grave robber. Mm. <laughs> and I know they call it Tomb Raiders to make it sound sexier, but it, it isn't. Crypt sneaker. Yeah, it's just it, and just the fucking Noah Taylor and Chris Barry bit. She's just it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it makes no sense. This movie at all. It just is tits and noise. Yeah. Not even real tits. <laughs> yeah, no, no, quite. I, I, I mean, I would, I would say <laughs> that of this movie, of Angelina's performance in Angelina Jolie's performance in this movie. I would say only around about 60% of it is actually Andrea Jolie. Because the close-ups of her body, it's not her. The stunts, it's not her. Mm. <laughs> it's She's doing very, very little <laughs> in this movie. No, I mean, it, it, so, I don't know. There's all that. There's Ian Glenn, who's just fucking very generic. Um, there's, I mean, what the fuck is... What the fuck is going on at the end when they're running up that big pyramid thing? It's like, yeah. like it kind of reminded me of Jonah Hex, where they're like having the battles between the two realms. Fucking, yeah, yeah, like fucking Jonah Hex. That's one I want to watch again at some point. Um, and yeah, it just it's I don't know. Short my most baffling mo- moment about about this is mm. um, is I'm watching it going. This is the weirdest bit of it. I was going, this movie is so bad that it's made me go, and it might not be this, it might be an amalgamation of both of them, that it's made me go, yeah, but there's no way that he could be her dad. They just don't look alike. And I remembered, oh, but wait a minute, he is her dad. No, I mean, as we because didn't they have a falling out as well after? And like, yeah, they do. They 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 do not talk apparently. N- no, like it, I just I don't know. It's such a weird fucking. And I mean, the thing is, she's not even a producer on it, so it's like, why the why did they 
I don't know. Why did they do that? It's, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, it just, it, it came at a time where there was just like no expectations for these films whatsoever. But I mean, Resident Evil, I think was the same year or was that? No, I think that was 2002 and Resident Evil is a decent little film. And you know, yeah. when, when people have been saying this weekend, the weekend about like, Oh, it's Tomb Raider, the first good video game movie. It's like, well, no, no, no. Back up, back up. Yeah. Resident Evil is not a bad fucking little action horror film. Um, Resident Evil is solid. The first Resident, we, we covered all of them. But the first Resident Evil is, is solid. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, don't 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 get me wrong. It's not one of the great fucking franchises or anything, but that that first one is all right and feels it's doing the thing that I think these films need to do, which is almost like keeping the spirit of the games, but not retread them. Yeah, and we we might come on to that later with one of my major issues with the new one, um, but yeah, this I but then again, I don't know. This isn't following the plot of any of the games because the the, the original games barely fucking had a plot. Um, no, this isn't. It literally, it's. I, I think that the. I suppose I can say it now, but it relates to the the the, the, the new two enemy we will talk about is um, the, the the mistake that people make. Now they make two mistakes when they're doing uh, movie game adaptations: is they either take a character or an idea from a game and try and make a movie out of it, but make it more so or make it better than the actual game and take a different story or they try and stick too faithfully to a game mm. and it you end up with max Payne, which was just dull mm. but the thing is you've got to get a little bit of both because the the the, the thing is with um and this will come up more in in tomb raider i haven't played tomb raider but becky has played tomb raider the the new games mm. which relate to the new movie um is your a game really lasts about anything from twelve to twenty hours, mm. and you're spending twelve to twenty hours as that person. That's essentially your avatar is is Lara Croft within it. Mm. So if you're going off and hunting for supplies, you're going off and hunting for supplies. If you spent fifty minutes of a movie, or thirty minutes, forty, twenty, fifteen minutes of a movie watching them go off and hunt for supplies, you'd be like do we really need this bit? Because you don't. And it, it, that's that's why they're, they're weird to get across. But, uh, yeah, it, it's... Um, yeah, it, it, it's... I, I, well, it's not very good. Ancient legends tell of a place called the Cradle of Life. It is the source of all life and also of death. There lies a power that no man should ever hold. Someone is after this ancient artifact. What we don't know is why. That terrifies us. Pandora's box. Do you mean the Greek myth? That's the Sunday School version. It's a weapon more powerful than you could ever imagine. Her Majesty formally requests that you find and recover this box before it's too late. 
Oh. Well, now that I have Her Majesty's permission. So this rock is the map to Pandora's box. And just think you could take it now. Oh, Croft. Do you really think I would do that to you? It's not Simon West this time. No, it's uh, it's it's action movie titan Yander Bond mm. uh, is the director, and Angie and Julie is this time uh, joined by Noah Taylor's there again, and Christopher Barry is there again as well. Uh, but also Gerard Butler joins us uh, as the uh, Daniel Craig character mm. in a movie that that still has no plot. Um, has another shoehorned romance into it that makes no sense. But mm-hmm. it has uh, Simeon Hines here as, as the bad guy. And it has a little bit more plot, I would say, there. They're trying to find Pandora's box uh, to open it up because Simeon Hines wants to use it as a, a, a chemical weapon, as the ultimate chemical weapon, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he has... Um, that's his his trade. He he trades in chemical weapons, and he actually does the thing that uh, the Austin Powers movies mock, uh, where he asks for, and at the time in two thousand three, might have been a lot of money, a hundred million dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which now you watch it back and go, uh, to me, tell that's not a lot of money now. <laughs> uh, you know, it's still a lot of money, but it's not. It's not fucking world ending. No, no you, you can imagine Elon Musk or, or Tim Cook like literally paying him that and then just like emptying it all out all over Kieran Hines and just going, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fuck, and going, fuck you. Literally out, out of a bag and just going, it's, it doesn't actually look that much when it's in a $100 bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, yeah. Yeah, uh, 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 yeah, uh, 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 Jeff Bezos going, wait, stop, I'm going to go for a piss because I'm probably going to make it. Yeah. In the amount of time I go for a piss? Yeah. Can we not just do that? Yeah, cool. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, this one's worse. <laughs> um, I I specifically noted the fact that they used a traditional orchestral score instead of techno during the action sequences, which I liked. Mm. Um... <laughs> What did I say on Letterboxd? Because, again, I watched both of these on Thursday, and I don't <laughs> remember 
I don't remember that much of a life that I watched like four hours ago. Um, there's a bit in it where it's like Yander Bont when I want this to be like one of those Mission Impossible scenes where Tom Cruise is riding a motorbike and I want it to be them two like dying in front of each other and riding a motorbike. And it literally is two people literally like they're riding down to the shops on motorbikes and just kind of like that's it. And then they stop and you oh, go, yeah. all right. Was that as interesting as that was? Was that all of the footage you got from that? Also, it has a bit where they do that fucking, you know, base jumping off a building and then they're flying like those weird things where they put literally the entire sequence in it. But at one point, uh, one of them, don't know which one it is, keeps on going out of shot, but they leave it in. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it just had me going, oh my God, it wasn't, Yander Bond, you know, he was, he did speed for God's sake. No, I mean, he I, was a cinematographer. How is the cinematography so bad in this movie? That's the point. I just, I liked that it was kind of globetrotty. Um, mm. You know, it never stayed in one place for too long. That's nice. Um, the the bit at the what happened to fucking what did Gerard Butler die or did he live? I can't even remember. He dies. She shoots him. Oh, that's right. They, 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 they literally they literally have a moment where he's got all this trouble, right, to to go back and to save her and you know to do all of that, and then they have a moment where they kiss and it's like, do you know what? Um, Oh, Jerry getting some fucking tongue in, by the way. Yeah, he's it, just a little bit, doesn't he? Yeah. Like both and times then, they kiss. Like, and, and, and it's like, it's like you're going, oh, look, he, he, he's got what he wants. You know, he's going to get out and he's got Lara Croft that he can take back and, you know, he's got all of that. Um, you know, it, it's, it's all good. Uh, nah, he still wants to steal that fucking thing because he can sell it because, you know, she's not clearly a incredibly wealthy woman <laughs> and he's got $5 million. What happened to Daniel Craig at the end of that one? Because he died, and then she saved him. He, he, he comes back to life. Does he stay alive? Yeah, he stays alive. Right, okay. I was getting that I thought it was the other way around. I thought she killed him because he wanted to sell something. Like, like, seriously, genuinely, that's not even a lie. That's how much I don't remember the films I watched three days ago. Yep. It's... Again, Lara Croft is just a dickhead in it. She's just a dick. It, 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 it's like everybody. She goes in and she seems to think that she's like this fucking the shit. this massive, this hot shit, and this fucking this it's this guy fucking world of charisma that she just bounces in, and everybody just wants to be around her. And you get the feeling that every time she arrives, everyone just goes, "Nah, she's a cunt, and I won't be here if she won't pay in me." Yeah, yeah. Like, like, just it's you know that, that bit where she goes in uh, and uh, Digimon Husana is there. And she like fucking parachutes into the car. He's like, "Can't you ever do anything the easy way?" And he's just like, mm, "Well, no, that would be less interesting, wouldn't it?" And you can see him thinking, "No, it'd just, just be fucking nice." Yeah, just open the fucking. It'd door. be nice. Yeah. If we're we're about to go and destroy all of these people's lives because what you think there's something in that fucking mountain? If you could just be where I fucking tell you to be. Yeah. 
It, I, and, and by the way, your pronounce, pronunciation of Jaimon Honsu will never not make me smile. <laughs> Digimon Honsu. I just, I fucking, every single time. So yeah, it's just, it's, she's, just a, she's just a dickhead. Yeah, no, she, she is. Essentially, right, right, she assaults one of her employees. Uh-huh. Christopher Barry is one of her employees and she assaults him. Because, because she has a strap. Because uh, something didn't go her way. I like that. I like how scared he looks as well. Even though I will say, and this again is an ending that would never happen these days in an age of Black Panther. The yep. ending of this film is Angelina Jolie driving off in a jeep with Chris Barry and Noah Taylor in the back, who nearly mistakenly got married in an African tribal ceremony. Like, yeah, it just like it's like that is the last and, shot of the film. It's like and, what the fuck. Right, and Noah Taylor's hair is really short, and then all of a sudden it's really long and she's been braiding it. That's right. It makes no sense. And yet there's a point in it where exactly the same thing happens where she's fighting one of the the Japanese gangs, uh, the, the, the Lord of those, and she throws two bits and they miss him. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, I'm stuck. They, they, she missed. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, all she's done is wrecked your shirt and then in the next shot, his shirt's fixed. But it's not just in the next shot his shirt fixed. For the next entire sequence, his shirt doesn't have the rips in it. <laughs> it's uh. just a really bad movie. Yeah, I gave them both five out of ten. I'm going to have to downgrade that shit because I genuinely don't remember them. Yeah, and and what I will say is, Anthony Jolie is awful. It is mm. is just awful. Every time she was on screen, I was hoping she'd disappear. <laughs> okay, I watched I watched one of these before I watched Tomb Raider, and the other one after. <laughs> well, let's move on. Yes. That was Dad's. Yes, Miss Croft. According to Richard's will, in the event of his death, I was to give it to you. Karakuri. Japanese puzzle. Um, Technically speaking, you're meant to sign the papers first. I could never understand your father's obsession with those things. Wouldn't believe how many of these were lying around the house. There was going to be some purpose to it. first letter from my final destination. But you didn't leave a letter. So, Tomb Raider, the, the reboot. It's a full reboot. Um, and it's directed by uh, the guy from who directed The Wave. That's yeah. just weird. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, Tomb Raider. They also rebooted the games, I think it would be interesting to add here as well, didn't they? 2013, yeah. Yeah, did you play the game? Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I haven't played it, um, but it was one of the few games I watched Becky play, and I, I did actually find it quite an interesting game to to, uh, to, to watch. Um, so it's directed by um, Raw Utang. Let's do that. Let's go Raw Utahang. Uh, and it stars Alicia Vikander, Dominic West, Walter Goggins, Daniel uh, Wu, and Kristen Scott Thomas. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which came out, I was like, is, wait a minute, is that Kristen? Yeah, that is Kristen Scott Thomas. Yeah. And then I went, and then I said again, I said, no, wait a minute, is it? Yep, it is. Wait, is that Kristen? Yeah, it is Kristen Scott Thomas. That's weird. <laughs> um... So it's yeah, it is the story of uh, Lara Croft, um, who is a um, she is a a what are they called? A delivery driver. Yeah, she essentially she's a delivery uh, bicycle courier. That's the they, word I was looking for. She's a bicycle courier in uh, London. Uh, she is Lara Croft. Uh, she is the heir to um, Croft Holdings and uh, what I'm guessing are their billions. But she won't accept the fact that her father, Richard, played by um, W. West, um, is, is dead. So, therefore, she's living a penniless lifestyle uh, as a bicycle courier. She can't afford to pay her gym membership um, where she gets her ass regularly kicked, it would appear, but she's got spunk, bless her. Uh, and then she's basically brought in, she's arrested for in, in some kind of weird fucking thing with bicycle couriers uh, and ends up uh, deciding that she is going to declare that her father is is dead because if not, she's told by Kristen Scott Thomas, who's running her father's company uh, and is in control of the assets, that they will be sold off, including Croft Manor, and her father wouldn't want this, so it's about time she did. She's about to, but then she's shown a... She's notices uh, a Japanese puzzle box. Do you say Derek Jacobi? Yes, yes. It is, isn't it? Of course it is, yeah. Um, and then she finds a clue within that, doesn't sign a thing, goes off, um, and bits happen, and there we go, and Walton Goggins will get into all that. Ian, what did you think of Tomb Raider? Um, I thought the first half hour or so was really fucking rough. Um, I was not enjoying it at all. Um, This film is going to feel old in a year or two, because of that opening 20, 30 minutes or so. Um, you know, how how extreme are bicycle couriers in London? They fucking do fox hunts where they chase each other around with paint cans because that's how extreme they are. Um, I liked it, though, overall. Um, I thought the cat... Vikanda was solid. <coughs> I thought the action was well done, even though, like I said, when we talked about the trailer, I was expecting button prompts to come up, uh, like during an yep. off. Whenever she leapt from something to something, I thought I was going to have to pe- press square by the time the circle ran out. But I think that's entirely intentional. Which it is. Um yep. I also thought Walton Goggins was really interesting because you've got all this supernatural shit happening and this grand conspiracy involving this Trinity company and his character's primary motivation is 
I want to get off my island and see my kids. This island yeah, and see it, my kids. It, it, he's he's essentially a. It, he's just a guy who, who who took the wrong assignment. Yeah, yeah. Like he just he took the wrong job. He probably got promised a promotion. It'd be like a few weeks on this island. Everything's all right. You come back. We'll give you a nice corner office. And it's like right. I haven't seen my kids for seven years. And mm. that that's and it it really does do an effective way of explaining away the, the the fact that a lot of this stuff kind of seems like horse shit and you've got this but you've got this guy who fundamentally wants the aim to be achieved but it's not because he believes in any of this stuff it's just because he wants no. to go home and it's kind of yeah, like it, it, that's he's, interesting he's... He's not wanting to utilize its power. He just—it's it, just once he's got that and they've got that, he can get the fuck out. Like even at the end, before the final fight, he's just like, "Kids, you and me can go." Yeah, yeah he literally yeah. says. He literally, he literally says to her, "You don't believe this, do you?" And she just, and then she doesn't say. I do believe it. She's like, no, I fucking don't. No, really. no, that, that, that's the thing. And I thought that was really interesting as well. Um, so that's the thing. I think there are moments in here which elevate it ab- above what you, or at least make it more interesting than, than what you think it's going to be. Um, mm. And I'll also say, I thought it was pretty pacey. Um, mm. Like, it wrapped, it was wrapping up, and I thought we still had a good 10, 15 minutes to go. Um, the sequel setup makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Like there is a plot twist at the end of this film that just was like, it opened up questions, but more in a logistical, how the fuck does this, the plot of this film actually make any sense? Um, yeah. yeah. But overall I enjoyed it. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see what you thought, given you, you've seen the game, but haven't played it. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'll agree with you on the first half an hour is is not great. It feels the first half an hour, and it might be because it's set in London, uh, but the first half an hour does feel a little bit like if the BBC tried to make a yeah. version of Tomb Raider. No, you're right. For the BBC. No, it, it feels it, like that. It, it feels like BBC Three got a budget increase. Yeah. And made some sort of weird Laura Croft origin half hour thing. Yeah, and, and you know the, the bicycle courier thing, and they, and then it, there was a few moments that particularly irked me during that that opening opening bit. And the one key moment there is right. So she is resisting declaring her father dead because she doesn't want to accept it herself. That's fine, right? So she's living this, what is given to be a pennied lifestyle uh, there, despite the fact that she, with the stroke of a pen, can inherit what we would assume is an an, an unbelievable amount of money. Let's say it's somewhere between 500 million and a billion dollars, a billion pounds, right? Mm. So, yeah, so she can do that, but she won't, right? Signing it just legally makes him dead, right? So she can still she could sign that, make him legally dead, right? And then if he turns up alive in two years' time, it nothing really changes, really. There's some weird legal shit that's gotta happen, but not a lot changes, right? Yet she won't do that. But in a 
flash, she's willing to go, well, this is the only thing I've got left of my mother, so I'm going to pawn it so I can go off and find my dad. Lara Croft doesn't give a shit about her dead mother. At all. I thought that. It's a fair point. Yeah. She literally, it's like, wait a minute, just sign it, get all of that money, then go and fucking find him. And you don't have to pawn the one thing that has been given to you, it would seem, about your mother. And you have a house that's probably got shitloads of your mum's stuff in it. Fucking loads. Right? Why can't she live in that house anyway? Well, I think that, yeah, weirdly, I think she can. Because she seems to have the keys. So, again, it's just more of Lara Croft just being a fucking whiny millennial. <laughs> it is, oh, I'm going to go off and do this. and It's like, oh, and I'm going to be a bicycle or anything like that, and I can't afford to pay my gym membership. There's probably a fucking gym in fucking Croft Manor. Stop being a... You're not Batman. Stop being a dickhead. And it, it <laughs> that was irking me. Yeah. Really irking yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, this poor fucking guy just wants to get pissed his dad's already been killed by fucking Lara, by the croft family right oh. who are incredibly rich and could just pay to go there right they technically already are paying to go there because the fucking company's there and richard croft must fucking know the company's there he's not that daft right but no she's gonna pawn a fucking dead mom's fucking amulet so she can fuck off, ruin his life, get him killed, almost, get him essentially put into fucking slavery. His entire livelihood's gone because his boat's wrecked and I don't reckon he's got insurance. Mm. I, all because, what, she doesn't want to admit that her dad's dead. And then when she does meet him, he fucking, spoiler alert, we're all spoilers all the time, he dies anyway and he's a bit of a fucking, he, he's a bit of a dick and has lost his fucking mind. Dominic West doesn't understand what movie he's in. He thinks he's in a kid's cartoon, and he's not. He's in a 12A. Because he's doing full... <laughs> in it. <laughs> and, and, but the thing is, the action's cool. Yeah. Elise Vikander is very good, I think, as, as Lara Croft. I'd happily watch another one. Yeah. Walton Goggins is, is a good villain yeah. in it. I'll watch another one where Kristen Scott Thomas, I completely agree with you, somehow is a super villain in it. I'm fine with that. But it's also really irritating and shit at points. They introduce this thing where she first meets her dad and goes, do you remember this? And that kiss thing goes like that. And it's like, do you know what? I don't remember that well enough familiar in the film for it to be a thing. And then they keep doing it. Oh, it's like, no, oh my man. God, yeah. we get it. Yeah. We get it. Oh, yeah. You are verging on the face, weird John Travolta face stroking thing yeah. from fucking Face Off now, yeah. in the sense of, 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 I actually want to fucking last action hero it, climb it in a movie, slap you and go, get on with it. Read a fucking tune. And then climb back out so I can watch them reading a fucking tune. I liked this movie, but it, it fucking irritated me at points. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Once it got to the island, I was, I was kind of, I, I was okay with it. It's um, fun. Yeah, it is, and, and they don't, and they do it in quite a twelve a way, but they don't mm. um, skimp on the Lara Croft getting the shit pummeled out of her in various ways. No, she, ways. she takes, she takes a fucking beat. She's, I, I like the fact that she's not great at everything. 
It's 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 not based around her being having all of these skills. It's just based around her being incredibly brave and motivated. Even even though I will say I did like the bit where they were in that room and the floor was falling in. And it's basically, she solves it by, all right, I'm just going to put every single one of these fucking coloured <laughs> things in this thing until it stops. Yeah. And it's like, it's almost presented. It's like, right, green. Green is the colour of life. It's like, no, you're just saying that to make yourself sa- self sound smart. It's the last one. And if it's not the right one, you're all dead and no one's going to fucking remember it anyway. So you may as well just fucking do it. Like that sequence was really weird. Yeah, and, 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 but I do love the bit where the door opens and that guy goes, "Oh yeah, where's the where's floor the gone?" Floor gone? <laughs> <laughs> Even though her reaction, like, it was... <laughs> sorry, I can't remember what she says, but like, it's just like a one-word thing, and then she walks off, and it's like <laughs> you're not really good at the. It literally, I think I, I think she literally sorry. says, "Gone, gone." Yeah, I think it was gone. Yeah, I was just like, I thought it was that, but I was thinking that was a really shit repost. But that is literally what it is. Yeah, also as well, the the bit, all she has to do when she jumps onto the ladder thing, right? She's already ahead of Walton Goggins. Run across, tip the ladder off. There you go, done. That's true. (laughs) Why do you turn around and then try and fight him on a ladder? Because literally the best case scenario there is what happened which then made it really difficult for you to get off. And I get it, so we can have the big game thing, because the, 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 the fucking pickaxe thing, is the, or the claw thing, is a big thing in the game, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It's used a lot. Yeah. So I get it. It, it, it's for that. But you still could have had her doing that jump to the other side and knocking it off. It just gave them a, a bit more of a fight, which I actually quite liked, because you've got Goggins, you know, beating the shit out of her. Mm-hmm. Again, and the thing is, People will say, oh, but look, the film when she's fighting a guy, it's everything like that. And it's not. It's She's fighting somebody who is, you're guessing, from a military background, mm-hmm. and she's somebody who got beat up earlier in the movie mm-hmm. by somebody else at a local gym in London. Mm-hmm. That guy is going to be able to beat her up. And then she, she gets the upper hand by essentially outsmarting him. Yep. It's a, yeah, it's a... I enjoyed it. I'll watch it again. I will watch another. I think there will be another. Um, but yeah, it's there's a lot of stuff that could have been better in it. It's it's a very it's a very seven seven and a half out of ten movie, but in a good way. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I, I'm right there with you on that. It's there's enough to detract, but there's also enough to keep you engaged. And as an action film, it's a very solid action film. It's not just like a three star. No, it was all right. There, there, I think there, there is a bit more character than that. Yeah. And, to, and as, and as I, well, I think they, a lot they, of it's they never, Goggins, to be honest. Yes. Well, yeah. Goggins is, is great. And, it, and as well, they never make her a, um, an object of lust or attraction. No, I mean that, that, well, there's that one moment earlier on with it. It's like, ask her out, but you know, aside, yeah, yeah, but aside from that, it, it, with the what is it thing, yeah, uh, there's that. But they don't try and form a, a love interest between her and Danny no. Wu. It just sounds seems like they're just friends, Mates. and I yeah. hope he'll return into it. Yeah, uh, and um, you know, none of the fucking guys try and rape her. Which you know, mm-hmm. it, it, you get a feeling if this was a fifteen, one of them might have. You know, it's it's just there's 
you know, it, I, I, I liked it. I enjoyed no, it. I, I mean, it, it does have that issue that the game did as well with like the first kind of encounter where she's basically about to be murdered by someone is like quite traumatic. Um, mm. I think the game did actually have a bit of a rapey connotation and you had to break out of it because I remember it being controversial at the time, but did they? I think it did. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, again, that that's a game and it's aimed for a a mature audience, but whereas this is a 12, a, but it's, um, the way she goes from that to like just running around and fucking shooting people in the neck with arrows. It is, (laughs) but then, you know, that's the, you got, a couple of hours versus like you say 15 to 20 hours you know you know so there there's that i just the, the ending doesn't make any fucking sense to me like no. how does he own trinity like but also not but also want to destroy all his research on trinity oh no he wants to destroy his research on the island on, on, on Himiko, the what is it? Yeah. So, what is it like? He owned Trinity all along, and he knew he did. But there Wait, was no, but a wrong. He says, "I've at- discovered uh, it's an organisation known as Trinity." Oh, hang on okay. a minute! You own Trinity, you prick. Yeah, it's it's yes. That's but is it like almost like Kristen Scott Thomas was the the kind of like the C did like the CEO and kind of put it in the books to fund it like under his nose without him being aware of it because he was off adventuring possibly and you know that that's well that's what it'll be in the the second one is you know she'll ask the question of you know my father how did he know well it's like well we kept it from your father was actually a bit of an idiot we'll be honest he no, wasn't I... when he when he says my life wasn't all fucking business meetings and boardrooms his life was never that we literally we gave him a bat and a fucking ball it was a bat with a ball attached to it and just sat him in a corner playing with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, I did like the power of attorney thing, so I could see how that's going to go in the second one, where it's almost like they're going to, like Kristen Scott Thomas is going to try and have a proved insane or some shit. Like, mm. to, so, you know, got control over that. You know, it just, yeah, I don't know. And also, I've got to say as well, really weird, why the fuck is Nick Frost doing this role role for Nick Frost but then again I suppose outside of the Peg Wright films is that the level he's on pretty much yeah he's not he, he, he he's uh, he's just he's not a name outside of mm. that little circle it's fun to see Jamie Winstone though like she's never in anything anymore so holy shit yeah Fuck it, I knew I recognised her from something. Yeah, I, I like, fuck, man. Ten years ago, Jamie Winstone did Donkey Punch, and now she's Nick Frost's wife. I just Donkey Punch just because she was, like, young and, like, hmm. I don't know, it kind of seemed like she had some good shit in front of her. And now ten years later, she's a 1-slash-1.5 scene character in Tomb Raider. Pencil that in it. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm definitely not shit on it. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, so am I. It was, a ple- it was actually quite a pleasant surprise. I really, really, like, I really wasn't that bothered about going, but actually had quite a good time with it and all. Yeah, I watched it at 9 fucking 45 in the morning on a Sunday. Oh, there are a few more glorious times to watch a movie than that. I don't know, man. I watched it half seven on Saturday night. There was only about 20 people in there. It was fucking brilliant. It, it was quite busy at my screen. Well, not quite busy. It was busier than I expected it to be for 
to say the weather wasn't fantastic and it was at 9.45 in the morning. So our poll, uh, definite shit 40%, touching cloth 30%, shit 20%, and geostorm 10%. That's a split. Fair play. Hmm. What did you think of the Avengers Infinity War trailer, Noel? Ooh, yeah, it's right in there. Um, what did I think of it? Um, <clears throat> I, I loved it. It gave me a uh, it, it gave me the excitement level that I that I wanted from the first trailer. I think. Um, good evening, by the way. Sorry, that was a little evening. rude. I do apologise. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was interesting because I knew it was coming, and I decided I wasn't going to watch it. And then immediately, as soon as it, it was available, I watched it um, multiple times on my phone, on the train home, and then again with Charlie when I got home uh, on the big, on the, well, on the TV. Um, I, I liked it. It's, I think the thing is, up until this point, we've been hearing about what an event this is and we've been hearing about how big this is going to be and stuff like that. Um, but now to actually see some of it, I'm less concerned with how big it's going to be and I'm more just interested in seeing how these characters come together and this story unfolds and obviously who's going to, you know, bite the big one. Um, I've got my theories, everybody else has got their theories, I know, but I think it's it's pretty clear, really, to me what's, what's going to happen and I'm looking forward to, to seeing it happen. I got very excited and I got very dewy-eyed at the idea of, of Captain America dying to... I hope someone yeah. dies and they mean it. Yeah, my concern is that the my concern is that the the time gem is gonna play a role, and basically they'll kill somebody, but it's okay because we can bring them back. I mean, you know, that is the nature of comics. When people die, they don't they don't necessarily die. I'm hoping that they don't do that with this. I think if it's gonna if if it's gonna happen, it has to mean something, and I think. Um, Cap dying would mean a lot to this world, uh, this universe, I should say, this Marvel universe. Um, likewise, Tony Stark, but for different reasons. But you know, if they chicken out and they kill Vision, uh, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of people that they could kill, and they might think, "Oh, this is a big one," but actually, really, is it is it that much of a big one? So, um, yeah, because um, you know, it might not it might not just be one person; it might be two people, it might be three people. Uh, you might get some B listers like the Vision. Um, well, I, I, yeah, that, that, that's 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 uh, my thinking is that, that that there'll be two. I think will go in this one. Yeah, maybe one big one and one. Uh, yeah, you know, Vision will be the small vision. one. Yeah, Vision could be a good one to go because, frankly, it feels to me like they've not known what to do with him for a while now. They didn't know what to do with him in Civil War, um, and I, I just don't feel like they're. It, it, thing with Vision, it felt it feels like it. It was a good idea when they came up with it for Ultron, but they've not really. They've they've just had to squeeze him in where they can since then, um, and yeah, I could imagine him going to. Uh, but as as for the trailer, it looks fantastic. It looks. Um, it looks very exciting. I, I can't wait to see Chris Pratt and Robert Downey Jr. bounce off each other. Uh, I think that's a great moment. Just that short, short exchange between them two is great. Um, so, yeah, man, only one month away as well. Well, a month and a bit away. 
Yeah, 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 that's it. It's only five weeks. What, what was your thinking of it, Ian? What, what was your reaction to it? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's really impressive, isn't it? Like it just, I, I, it, it kind of seems like they're gonna have them all be in this film by not having them all together. Like it does seem like there's gonna be sections. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I thought it was interesting that four. Did you see him with anyone other than Baby Groot? In this trailer, mm. in this trailer, no, he, he he's, he's not. In the previous one, he, he meets all he, of the guardians. He, he meets the guardians, yeah. But I wouldn't be, yeah. I, I'd like. So that's the thing. I mean, you've got Doctor Strange and Wong and Hulk and Iron Man together at one point. Um, it looks like Captain America and Bucky are kind of doing their own thing with Black Panther and company. Mm. Um. I don't know. It just it, it does seem like that, that it's going to be disparate, and maybe in Avengers Four, maybe there'll be something else. Because obviously, you know, they've done Avengers Four. They filmed it back to back, didn't they? So that's yeah. that's next year. No one knows what the title of that is yet, which I think is very is obviously on purpose. Um, mm. And um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm looking. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it more so than I was uh, previously. And I, it's interesting. And I thought it was interesting with Thanos. I, I, I don't know if it's from the comics, but the fact that he's saying he only wants to kill half of humanity, like I, I don't get. Like I thought that was kind of interesting, and that shot of him holding the hands with like little Gamora, 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 Gamora. Um, you know, it, it kind of seems like right. Okay, Thanos isn't just gonna be. I want to destroy the world it kind of seems like he actually has a proper mission but Mm. he's just being he's just doing it in an evil way um so yeah i'm intrigued to see what happens there i I, yeah i it's a really fucking good trailer and i hope i can see i need to i'm gonna need to see a showing on the opening thursday um gonna need to because the internet's gonna be insufferable otherwise uh mark your thoughts same, yeah, I, I, I was, um, it's a very good trailer, um, it, it gets across the size and the scope and the scale of it all, but also it, it leaves you going, all right, I don't, I have an idea of what I think might happen, uh, but it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't actually basically just lay out the entire fucking movie for you, I don't think. Um, so yeah, I, I'm very much looking forward to it, and like like you said, Noel, uh, I, I'm looking at going, I think Cap's going to go in this, and I will be fucking... I will be distraught when Cap goes in this, but I think it it will be. If they're going to kill a major character, it needs to be one that's going to give you a real punch. And I think that he, out of all of them, will give that that biggest punch. Yeah, without question. I mean, he's the one who's. And I know you you saw what I, what I put up on Twitter about this. He's the one who has had by far not only the strongest arc, um, but the most sort of. Um, emotional resonance with everybody around him Um, and I think that's hugely, hugely important just his, uh, you know I don't want to get too sort of greetings card about it but his spirit in this universe is is so um, much more um, heroic and giving and and, you know he 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 is. He's also the character that, that's that's had to try the hardest, you know, because um, 
Iron Man as and again this is what I said on Twitter but Iron Man and this is this is me speaking about Iron Man who's always been my favourite character anyway Iron Man's an easy sell um, Iron Man is James Bond in a cool robot suit you know that's boiling it down a little bit but that's what he is he's He's very suave. He's very good with the women. He's cool. He's got loads of money. Um, he's uh, he's jokey. He's jovial. Um, and also, by the way, he's Robert Downey Jr. That's an easy sell. Whack him in some cool suits. Easy peasy people are going to eat it up like ice cream. Captain America. That's you know that was always one where it's like, oh god, is this going to be a, a push too far? Is this are they going to do that costume and it's going to be you know all fists in the air to America in this modern cynical world and they pulled it off and the way they pulled it off is by having Chris Evans in the role and having him deliver something that had absolute heart to it uh, you know right from the outset right from that first film the first adventure it's all about heart and it's all about standing up to bullies and um, you know and, and, and uh, sacrificing yourself for the good of others and stuff like that it's that's not something that the other characters have had to do. Um, you know, Tony Stark's had his arc where he's had to sort of, you know, he's tried to fix who he was as an arms dealer, effectively. But he's made a lot of mistakes and he's been quite fucking dangerous as well. Um, then you look at other characters, Thor. Yes, Thor's had his own arc, but he sometimes comes across as quite selfish. Um, with... With all the characters, this one character is the, the real, genuine hero. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be really, really, really powerful if they do decide to act him. And it's not yeah. something that I've thought about too much until until recently. Um, so I'm split on it. It's like I want them to do it just purely for the for the emotional weight, uh, but at the same time, that's gonna feel like a big loss. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Um, Three keys. Three hidden challenges test for worthy traits. Revealing three hidden keys to three magic gates. And those with the skill to survive these traits. Where the prize awaits. Let the hunt begin. Right, I'm going to hand over to, to Ian uh, now because I am actually good. He's actually my turn on the show, but I'm going to hand over to Ian now because I haven't seen uh, Ray Player One. Uh, and what I will say is I'm going to have to duck out in about eight minutes' time because Becky's told me that if I'm late for dinner, she's going to kill me. <laughs> okay, all right, no worries. I mean, we'll just. Um, we'll, we'll... Which, 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 which will be about the sort of the right time, I reckon, <clears throat> for when I'd need to duck out anyway. Um, so, yeah, so I'm going to hand over to Ian to go through Ready Player One, and I'm going to sit in the background, and I will say bye before I go, don't worry. Cool. Okay, so um, I think we did have a Twitter question or two, but we'll, we'll save it for next week in that case then. Um, yes. So, uh, okay, yeah, so Ready Player One is directed by Steven Spielberg, uh, stars Ty Sheridan, Ben Mendelsohn, Olivia Cook, 
and others. Um, yeah. The voice of TJ Miller. Uh, Simon Pegg's in it. Um, and some other people. Mark Rylance. Mark Rylance. Rylance. I know, I, uh, who was our one? Uh, no, just Mark Rylance. Uh, I don't remember anybody else yeah. particularly. Standing out, yeah. No, fair enough. Yeah, Mark, Mark Rylance was a key one there. Yeah, so, okay, Ready Player One, uh, based on the book by Ernie slash Ernest Klein, depending on, I'm assuming, what meeting he's having. Um, and uh, so, it's 2045. Um, the world is essentially obsessed with this virtual world called uh, the Oasis, created by Johnny Halliday, played by Mark Rylance. Uh, five years previous to the film starting, he passed away, and he set a challenge uh, which involved finding three secret keys which would enable the winner to take control of the Oasis. Um, and so enter Wade Watts, played by uh, Ty Sheridan, who um, is basically trying to look for the key like everybody else, but he has something about him which enables him to um, kind of go on the adventure, really. Um, so, Ready Player One, interesting one, this. Um, the internet's been quite down on it, then quite up on it, then quite down on it, then quite up on it. It feels like Twitter, the, the hive mind, hasn't really taken a, a position on it yet. Um, and I think it's interesting that it's a, a big Steven Spielberg film getting word-of-mouth screenings a good couple of weeks before it comes out, as if Warner Brothers are maybe a little bit worried and need some positive noise going out there. Uh, so, not, Can I not... just quickly interject mm. very quickly, sorry, and just say... I think it, it, it's quite staggering the fact that Steven Spielberg is widely regarded as, uh, and I haven't seen the movie yet, uh, but he's widely regarded as, as one of the greatest directors of all time. He's frequently considered that and one of the greatest sort of, we almost like he's been one of the driving forces behind the idea of a blockbuster mm. um, there. Um, and he's still making movies. The guy is 71 years old and it seems like with Ready Player One, he's got out of his comfort zone in a weird kind of way and made a movie that you wouldn't expect. And I think that he's not getting enough props for that. And whether or not it lands or not is a very different thing, and I won't know that until I've seen it, and you guys will go over that you know, now. But I just think that it seems to be... It, it, it's it's a little bit kind of like it's out of his comfort zone, but still kind of within it. But it's a pop culture thing done by a guy in his 70s. But then again, he's seen all of this. I just think that it's... It's a guy who a couple of years ago made Warhorse. He's now making this. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, fuck, man. I mean, like, what, two two months ago, three months ago? The Post. The Post, yeah. And now he's doing really... I mean, it's, fuck it, that's mental. Um, so, anyway, yes, Ready Player One. Noel and I both braved the elements to go see it this morning. And, uh, Noel, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, well, just on what Mark's kind of said there and on what you've said, Ian, I think the two things are kind of connected. No, I will get on to that, but I think the fact that there doesn't appear to be, unusually, there doesn't appear to be a black or white opinion online about this, mm. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that it's Steven, Steven Spielberg who's directed this. Mm. I'll get on to that. But, um, yeah, it's... Uh, 
I think I enjoyed my time with it. Um, I think what I think a while ago this wasn't a film that I was that bothered about, um, and then the opportunity came up to go and see it a little bit early, and I started thinking about it. And I was like, well, you know. I've always said I like my 80s pop culture to be from from the 80s. I don't like being pandered to that much. Um, so that was what was putting putting me off it. But then I started to think about it and I was like, well, you know what? I'll just get to see some cool stuff on the screen. I'll get to see some references. Don't be such a prick about it. Just go and enjoy yourself. And maybe, fingers crossed, you'll get a, uh, a Generation 1 Transformer in there and maybe you'll get to see Optimus Prime or something like that. So that was what was keeping me sort of keeping me going so going into this i was just looking to have a good time really um i think i had a good time with it um (laughs) i think there's a lot wrong with it um but i don't necessarily think that that has to do with the director i think it's the the material that the director is 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 dealing with yeah um visually is great uh, there's a lot to look at. Um, the first 30 minutes of it are like, uh, you know, a, a, an animated version of Where's Wally on crack. It's, you know, you, you're constantly, your eyes are darting around the screen trying, is that this? Is that this? Is that, is that that person? Is that this person? So, you know, there's a lot to take in. And when it's doing that type of thing, it's great. Um, when it starts trying to tell a story, though, um, I think it falters a little bit. Mm. Um, primarily, and I'll, I'll end this here because we'll pick it back, back up again. Primarily, be just because of the sheer amount of exposition that's going on, like completely unnecessary exposition at times, exposition that, that doesn't even make any sense. Mm. It, you know, I, it spends a lot of time telling you what it's doing while it's doing it, uh, and I have to wonder if that comes down to the actual source material. Uh, more than it does the you know the director and, and writer of the screenplay. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's quite an interesting piece of work, but I think it could have I don't know it could have been more interesting. Um, which, given the sheer amount of visual information in this film, might sound like a weird thing to say. Um, but it's weird. It feels like it's both having fun with all the pop culture stuff, but at the same time is also slightly admonishing you for watching the film and acknowledging all the references. Cause it's just like, well, this isn't real life. This, you know, there, there's more to the world than all of this stuff. And I think the film feels confused at times about which, side it's actually falling on Mm. and if the film i i think it would i don't know how much the film was budgeted for but it it looks expensive as fuck um and 175 million yeah that sounds about right um and i wonder if the film if it could somehow have costed less if it maybe would have been a bit more biting I, I haven't read the book, and from what I understand, it, it, it's basically celebrating the white fanboy. That, um, I've not read it either, but from what I, I heard somebody describe it once as being basically 
and then the DeLorean showed up, and then the Ghostbusters showed up, and then this came up, and it's all just very literally like almost a fucking list yeah. of references. And, I mean, I, yeah, you kind of get that from from the film at, at points. Um, but it just, yeah, I don't know. I Again, I enjoyed my time with it as well. I, I did, and, I mean, like it's, it's definitely not shit. I, w- I will say that. Um, but there's something not quite right at the heart of it for me. Um, and I think it is just this, it doesn't really know quite exactly what it wants to be saying. Like the way that this is a very, very mild spoiler mark, but you'd be surprised to know that everything turns all right out in the end. That's that's why I wasn't that that fussed about spoilers because it's kind of like you know what's going to happen but from the start. One of the things is that they make a point of saying this towards the end of the film. We decided to close the Oasis every Tuesday and Thursday so that people could you know connect in the real world. And it's like right, okay, so you're apportioning two sevenths of life to you know being real, and it's like okay, so. Are you saying that that two sevenths is a good thing? Or are you highlighting the fact that it's only Tuesdays and Thursdays and it's like, all right then, but for the vast majority of the week, people are still going to be obsessed with the Oasis and not living their real lives. I want to know why Tuesdays and Thursdays. (laughs) There is that as well, to be fair. I just want to know why Tuesdays and Thursdays. Because you're getting the idea of, well, you know, Sunday would have made more sense because that is the Lord's Day, and I'm guessing that there is a fucking that that would have come in at play for it. So Sunday would have made more sense. Tuesdays and Thursdays, it's a random collection of it, days. That, but, but, but this is, but this is. Sorry, go on. Sorry, I was just going to say this is kind of a big problem with this. For this is one of the. This is what I'm saying about the story. The 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 world building exists purely around the central characters. There is no explanation of what life is really like in what this world. What the dystopia is. Like, what is actually yeah. causing it? They what never touch this? on that. Yeah. It's weird. Do people, have, do people, like, you know, all right, they're going to close this down on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Do people work on Tuesdays and Thursdays? Or, or is it a normal working week? It, what's the situation with this class divide? You've got, you know, you've got people who are extremely rich and people who are extremely poor. Um, but what, like, what is with that on a day-to-day basis? Mm. You know, are we just... Is it right that everybody's given up and is living inside this? That uh, is living inside this video game, or, or is it wrong? Should we be getting people back to life? Is that the um, Olivia Cook? I think her name is. Yeah, yeah. Is that you know? At first, you're a little bit like, oh right, is this like a Matrix situation where she wants to break the system and get everybody back to the real world? And then it's like, oh no, 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 she doesn't want to do that. She just wants to do what? She just wants to upset the system a little bit and upset this corporation because it killed her dad. It's there's no, it, it, it's just focused on these people and there's, it's almost got this sort of anti-matrix um, thing about it where it's like, yeah, we should all come together and save this thing that, that is a false reality. Like, you know, it's, it's not, it's doing the opposite of what the matrix does. It's saying we should save this. This is important to us. We need this. Like, this is life now. We have to save it. And, and that's a weird message. No, that, that's apart from Tuesdays and Thursdays when <laughs> I, 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 I basically at the end of the film it's like right okay so you on Tuesdays and Thursdays you two fuck then is that that is that basically it is yeah. like 
you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays, you don't have to wear your fucking full sensation suits and you can actually do it in real life. Right, brilliant. No, I mean, that's the thing, because, like, she calls it the rebellion, but they also mentioned earlier on that she's, like, a really big Twitch streamer. And it, it, I don't know, it, it's like, right, okay, so, which, for those who, genuinely, for those who don't know, Twitch is basically um, people watching people play games online and people Twitch stream. So it's established that she's a Twitch streamer, but then also she's part of this rebellion and do, yeah does she like this world or not she also, well the thing is is they also set they set her up as almost like this leader of this rebellion yeah yeah and yeah what is this rebe- what, what is this rebellion rebelling against are they just rebelling against the system because her dad because of her dad and what happened to him or what are they are they just trying to bring down ioi yeah they are and if it's, yeah, and if so, why? That, 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 yeah, that, that, that's it. Oh, it's right, like... gents, I, I'll just say, I'm right. going to duck off his He's just text me to say that my curry is ready uh, and she'll kill oh, me family. I think, I think <laughs> you, may, you may have got a sense of what we thought anyway, Mark, and obviously you'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'll talk about a couple of weeks. Uh, and I, I, after that, I, before I, I've seen it before, I talk to you guys about it again. I will uh, listen to this bit cool. to see what else you thought of it. Cool. cool. Uh, so... I'm going to duck out, guys. Thank you very much for listening uh, and continue right, listening to, to these two. Uh, and I shall speak to you all soon. I shall speak to you two very soon as well. Thank Take you very much, guys. Bye. Yeah, so they they sort of touch upon um, this idea that, you know, there's debt in this world and mm. if you can't pay your debt, then you end up in this, uh, what do they call them? These Loyalty, loyalty yeah. centres. Yeah, that's it. Loyalty center. But what's not clear is like, I mean, all right. So you run up debt in this world, mm. and then you're asked to then you're on, you're imprisoned in this loyalty center, and you're then plugged back into the game to do what physical labor? Like, why are you doing physical labor if this is a game? Like, just why? That's not like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. What What's the like, why do they have this structure in the first place? Actually, what the fuck were they trying to do there? Well, that's it. They, even the only time you see that's a good it point. is when she is when she gets put in there, and they're like, "Oh, put these things over there." And they're like, "Is that it? Like, is that if you if you run up a debt, you have to get put into this loyalty center, and you have to put these things over there? <laughs> is that it? Like, it, it's just." It doesn't feel fully fleshed out, and it, it that also leads to the whole climax, where you know, for the first part of the movie, for the first half of the movie, we're being told, "All right, there's these three keys, and you got to get these three keys, and if you get these three keys, then you'll get this Easter egg, and if you get the Easter egg, you own Oasis, mm-hmm. and that's what you know." It's this sort of um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory sort of uh, mission that we're all going on because mm-hmm. you know the the person who who has the person who is true of heart will uh, will will get to own this. So that's that's what that's the mission that we're told that we're going on. And then by the end, you've got Ben Mendelssohn's character with TJ Miller's character, and they they've put an orb around this castle for some reason. And what are they doing? I don't know what they're doing. Did I miss something? Like, um, do you know what they were doing? They're protecting it because. That guy is playing the Atari game, 
so that no one can get in and stop him playing the Atari game? Right, so basically what it was then was that they found out that the Atari game was access to the third key. Yeah. So they didn't want anybody else to have a go. Yeah, that's that yeah, that's basically it, yeah. Okay. It's almost like um, if you if you had a if you were like playing an arcade machine you had a bouncer. Yeah, okay. I fine. think. That's fine. I mean it just it felt it felt strange to have the first you know, for the first hour of this film to be being told so many things, like having such a uh, expositional yeah. moment and then the climax is there and I'm like, Why are we doing this? <laughs> What's happening? So, yeah, but, I mean, it was odd. There were even little narrative things that kind of annoyed me as well. Like, the fact that that first challenge is this massive race and they, like, have all these fireworks and shit to, like, at the start of the race. And yet, no one's actually watching the race. So no one knows that the trick is to just go backwards. So then he has to yeah. tell people to go backwards. But then it's like... That's, well, that's it. The, cha- the actual challenge of doing it as well. So he does it, and then all of his mates do it. How does everyone else when, do it? But the, yeah, but then they just go backwards. That's the thing. It, 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 he does it, and then you say it, you, you find out that everybody else who he happens to know does it, and then it's like, oh well, these people managed to do it, and this person managed to do it. And it's like all he did was drive backwards. There was no particular challenge to it. There was no. nothing. You know, it was it was a lot harder to, to do the course the proper way, obviously. Um, all he did was drive backwards. There was no real achievement in that, apart from what? the fact that, you know, the four people that did it after him, there was no achievement in that, apart from that they found out about it. I mean, in all fairness, I think I think that that was like, it was actually understanding. Well, actually, no, was there? A, yeah, there was a clue, wasn't there? Because like how yeah, did they he... all got they oh. all got a clue. Oh no 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 hang on no sorry. The first one, it is positioned as yeah. a race, isn't it? There is no clue. The only reason why he knows it is because he goes into that archive thing and sees him talking about going backwards. Yes, that's and, how he gets that's how he gets tipped off to the first And then the he some and then he somehow it. connects that to doing yeah. it in the race. And it, yeah. it, it's just, I, you know, there's just a bit of a disconnect there where it's like in the moment, it's like, oh, okay, then that's clever. And then, but then it's like, well, no, hang on. That doesn't make any fucking sense. No. It like it's, it's how, I don't know. How did he know? So how does someone knowing that show themselves as being like suitable for this role? That they went back and studied through his shit. Yeah, I like. Yeah, he went and he'd watched that a million times. But you know, he'd seen that that scene. How did he come to that scene as well? So it's like you know, he's he's been going to this place every day and sort of find and, and reading up on and looking for clues and looking for information. When everybody else gave up on the, I forget what they call it, but the big library place where it's all his, you know, the archives, his memories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so he's been going there every day and de- and he's been re-watching this, this one particular clip where Simon Pegg and Mark Rylance have that discussion. 
And then just at that moment, that's the moment, you know, he knows this, this sequence inside out. He's, he's finishing the sentences and stuff like that. But just at that moment, that's the moment where he goes, I should drive backwards. It, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a stretch. And also leading up to that, I know I keep, I'm going to keep coming back to this, but the, the exposition there is just, I mean, the curator, when, when um, Ty Sheridan's character arrives at this archive, he gets there and the curator says to him, uh, what's his name in it now? I forgot. Um, Simon Pegg. No, no, I mean, Ty Sheridan. Oh, uh, Wade Watts, sorry. Yeah, but I mean, his, 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 his name... Oh, Parcival? Parcival, yeah. He says sort of like, oh, Parcival, you know, back again in boring sort of fucking, what do you want me to do today? And he's like, oh, I've got to go and see this again. He's like, mm, I've got to go and see this again, have you? And they start walking down this corridor. And the, the oh, he's explaining everything. Explaining yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah, this was right. constructed in such and such and such from so many memories and contains so many files of blah, 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 blah. It's like, you've just said you've seen this guy every fucking day and you've yeah. seen Why didn't he knows? So it's just, it's moments like that where everything's being explained for the viewer. With and it, it just it has this sort of the script has this sort of Scooby Doo quality about it when it's doing that it it, it fit like when people are having conversations they're telling you what's happening just so that you get it really feels like it's talking down I don't think anywhere there's a there's a scene um, towards the end um, see towards the end when um, when Simon Pegg's character turns up again. And it's, it's very much like, oh, oh, Professor Simon Pegg, it's you. Well, I thought you were such and such and such and such. Well, if I was such and such and such and such, then I, I was keeping an eye on you the whole time. And it's just very like, oh, God, it I, felt really Scooby-Doo-ish. It, I, that's the only way I can describe it. No, you're right. And I just like the whole, throughout the film, it's like he made him sell his shares and then that was it. And then it's like... I've been following you and I've got the legal documents here because somehow I actually have a presence in this company despite the fact that apparently he made me sell my shares. It, it's ten minutes, 10 minutes earlier, the guy who he's been idolising his entire life says, sign this form. And he's like, no, this no. is wrong. Yeah. Like, no, you're not supposed to. No, that's the, that's, the, that's the mistake. 10 minutes later, Simon Pegg comes over and goes, sign this form. And he's like, oh yeah, I'll sign this form. Yeah. <laughs> What is the motivation of any of these people? No, I mean that. That's, um, and, and the thing is, it's just we are. I mean, we are digging in quite deep. But the the thing is, and I know people would be like, "Oh, it's just a fun ride," and blah blah blah. But it it just it's a very very long film, which has it seems to be having shit it's trying to say, but it's getting basic stuff wrong. Like I gotta say as well, the security in that IOI building. The fact that that like they they just seem to be running around in his fucking office, and there's no security there. Um. Also, the fact that this this plot would not work if only Ben Mendelsohn had two factor authentication. Like it just like mm. literally, if he just got an email saying someone's trying to access your device, do you allow yeah. them to do this? You know, it just. Yeah. obviously you know it, it I, I don't know this was a book written a few years back and 
I, I don't know, maybe two facts are authentic. It's just become more of a thing now. But it just, it's, it's just, I don't know, it's a little bit again, like try harder. Again, when they do, and again, I'm coming back to it, but they do, um, when you've got the, the two characters who have built the, um, the two, the two avatar characters who have built the fake version of Ben Mendelssohn's office. And then they go in and they point the gun at Ben Mendelssohn. And at that point, he doesn't know yeah. that he's in sort of a, a construct. And then Ty Sheridan's character just walks out and leaves the, the other, those two in there. And he comes out and then they start having a conversation about how they built this thing and what it is. And it's like, I can see what you've done. Like, you just revealed that to me. So, like, they just revealed that they made a fake version of Ben Mendelssohn's oh, office. I saw that. If it, and, then the two pe- and then the two people who made the fake Ben Mendelssohn's office start going, well, what we did was blah, blah, blah. And it's this, this, and this. And it's like, fuck you. I just that, saw that. Because if, if Olivia Cook was there, it would make sense. Because she didn't because see she it. wasn't aware of that, but she's not. No, all of the people involved in building that thing are stood there explaining what it was <laughs> to each other. Yeah, and this is what I'm saying about like you know the 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 fundamental things that this film gets wrong in, in terms of story and structure and stuff like that. I do believe have a lot more to do with the source. Of- Material than they do the director but I also think that the reason that we don't have this black or white opinion on Twitter is because nobody wants to come out and say that Steven Spielberg has made a bad a bad sci-fi movie that plays in his old backyard backyard if anybody if any other director would have made this film the writing wouldn't be under any question they'd just be saying this is a bad film this person's a hack but because it's Steven Spielberg nobody wants to say that yeah I, it's I mean, the thing is, I I think I said before, I I I like the film, though. I I said to Don earlier on, I need to hash it out with someone who's seen it because I'm, and I I like I put my letterbox thing up because I just seem to do that straight away for some reason when I should actually think about it like a fucking rational people, uh, the person should, um, but rational people. Sorry, that's like Lottie talking. Um, it, it, it's um, but I don't know. It's when it's on, I think it's really on. Um, that I mean, the, the car sequence at the start is pretty stunning. Yeah. Um, that first race with, with Kong and everything like that is, is, is excellent. That's really entertaining to watch. Uh, and you're right, when it's doing that, it's great. The battle sequence at the end as well mm. is great. The Mecha Godzilla stuff, it's great. So when it's doing, it's, you know, there's great visuals here. Occasionally it feels a bit video gamey. Occasionally it feels a bit avatar But I think generally speaking, it's it's visually exciting to watch. It's just when you sit back and it's every time it's it, it falls back into story, you're just like, this is not a good story at all. No, and I mean, it's weird as well because like the marketing for the film has weirdly spoiled it for me with the fucking... Like the opening from the that the Willy Wonka song, the uh, "Come with me and you'll be in a world," you know that. But like when he was like signed the contract at the end, it was like, oh, it's like the end of fucking Willy Wonka. Yeah, you know, you know, it's like don't do it. You know, he's tricking you. And Doesn't he even say he even says I had to be sure. Yeah, yeah. 
which I think might actually be something that Gene Wilder says. I, I, I fucking would not be surprised. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's... I don't know. And also, I've got to say as well, right, this film seems to say that music died in the 80s. Now, the, the, the film references and the video game... I mean, the video game references are very, very current. The film references are kind of, sort of current. And then the music references are really dated and I wouldn't be surprised if that in itself is a whole thing about the cyclical nature of pop culture moving from like one form to the other um but I it's that that felt weird to me that there was like it like literally the film is littered with 80s music um you got that John Hughes moment it was like right are we going to have a moment? Is there a moment early on that establishes that he's a fan of John Hughes films? Mm. Because it's like, okay, I mean, like, fuck it. What wait. happened at that point? Is is this the point where, because I literally nipped out to the layer at a point where Ben Mendelsohn was talking about schools being like... Ferris Bueller and whatnot. And that, uh, did something happen there? Did I miss something? Yeah, so basically what, what happens there? Um, so uh, st- stop me if I'm telling you how to suck eggs here, but basically... Ben Ellison's trying to convince Wade Watts to join his crew. And he yeah. says, like, well, you know, the first thing I would do is model all the schools after the school from um, um, from Ferris Bueller. Uh, uh, and then... The Breakfast Club, yeah. Or, or uh, Ferris Bueller and the Breakfast Club, I think he says, because I think it's supposed yeah. to be the same school. And then um, Wade Watts is like, okay, was that blah school or blah school? And then there's someone in Ben Mendelssohn's ear saying, that school was from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, that school was from some like something else and he's like well that school was from Fast Times of Richmond High and that school was from someone else neither of those were directed by John Hughes you know and it's uh, it's almost like this weird fucking pop culture test involving That's John true. Hughes films it's like right okay so Wade Watts is this guy who was born in 2027 John these John Hughes films are over 40 years old it would be like some a kid now like an 18 year old now fucking talking about trivia from the conversation mm. you know it was like tell me did gene hackman wear glasses or not in the conversation or something like that or like what instrument yeah. did john uh, did gene hackman play in the conversation it's like i just i don't get the film doesn't really establish why the 80s so no, hard. It no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. And it, it, it's just, I... See, that's the thing. It's, uh, it's almost like, if you, look at, if you look at the way Guardians of the Galaxy does that, for example, if you look at the way Guardians of the Galaxy establishes that, um, that Star-Lord is someone who was plucked from his place in time and all he has are his memories and his music, and that makes his cultural reference yes. points trapped in that era. His pop culture this, references died in the mid eighties. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, makes whereas sense. with this, it's just he likes the car from Bats of the Future. He apparently likes John Hughes movies. These are the, these are the things that the author likes. These are the things that the author wants you to see. This is a fan. This is a, it's fan fiction, effectively. It's it's, it's a, It feels like a, a 
like I say, I've not read the book, but it feels like a story that's been written by a fanboy and the references are, you know, very broad 80s references um, that people can connect to, but they never really go all that deep. Um, and, and, and like I say, it's never really explained why the, the people in this are connected to, to them, really, apart from the, um, you know, the person who created this world, like, you know, the person who created this world was of a similar age to us, I guess, uh, to me, I guess. So maybe he did grow up in the 1980s and that's, well, it doesn't explain why everybody else or why this, this main character acknowledges those things as opposed to the things that he grew up with and he would be nostalgic about. Or, well, I mean, uh, that, 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 I mean, that's the thing. Is it basically saying that as soon as the Oasis came, came along, like pop culture basically died because then mm-hmm. it was just people living in, the, the 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 pop culture of the past, but then but then if we're saying that, then it ties into the what what exactly does this film think about this world? Um, that that so that's it. It just it, it it just feels like this weirdly conflicted thing, which doesn't know if it really really wants to be fun and just yeah fuck the man, or if it wants to be slightly critical about this this kind of stuff because the whole thing i mean the whole moral of it is like you know a connection to the real world it's like okay so he wants so johnny halliday wants to find someone yeah 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 exactly (laughs) he wants to find someone who has a footing in the real world but that footing is equivalent to two sevenths of your life Mm. yeah and it's also it it, it sets something up as well which i think was quite I don't know, you could call it a waste if you wanted to, where it's like, it sets up this thing where he's met this person in the fake world. Oh, there's a couple of things I've got to mention here, actually. Right, he's, oh God. he sets up, it sets up this thing, he meets this girl in this in this um, fake world and he falls in love with her, right? Um, and she says very, very clearly, uh, she says, no, I don't want to meet you in the real world because you'd be disappointed in what you saw. So you think, oh, right, well, that's an interesting idea. You're going to meet, you, you, we're, we're obviously going to meet her in the, in the real world later on. And maybe she is extremely unattractive. Maybe she's overweight. Maybe, you know, she's painfully shy or whatever. And, and then you meet her in the real, real world and she's hot. And it's like, oh, right, she, she's, she's attractive then. So, well, that's it. She's got a birthmark. Is that it? Is that really it? Um, so you've got that sort of thing. Also, this person that he's met in this virtual universe, completely by chance, there's nothing to suggest that they were their paths were intentionally forced together. She is living and running her rebellion from down the road from him. And then there's a point when uh, they come back into the real world and his friend H has told everybody to meet in one place. Literally moments after they've left the game together, they all converge in one place. It's like, do all these people live in the same town? Or, like, there's two Chinese kids. Are they American Chinese, or are they actual Chinese kids? And if so, how do they speak? How do they speak English? And how did they get there so damn quick? Like, it's, it's just, it's very clumsily done. Very clumsy. 
that uh, moment when I le- that moment when I left as well to to knit to the loo, and he has that conversation with Ben Mendelsohn. I felt very much like the character shifted very very quickly after that. When I left the cinema, he was very nervous, very quiet, very shy, very sort of unsure of himself. And then when I came back. He was very forceful and very sort of like, no, you're not going to do that. And he's like, whoa, what's happened? It, it, to, to be fair, that is kind of the the, the defining thing because it, it, he basically is like, you've got these people in your ear. You don't mean any of this. You are just a fucking suit. Uh, so yeah. I did miss something. Though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, I think they actually kind of do get that across in that section. Um even though the the continuing boo corporate person who's trying to do their job also does feel a little bit lazy for me. I don't know, like that shit. I I, I thought Ben Mendelsohn was all right, like, but it's just yeah, it's it's okay. Evil businessman. Well, that's it. I like Ben Mendelsohn, but he's in danger of slipping into. He's in danger of slipping into a very comfortable spot here, isn't he? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think. No, I, he, needs, he needs to he needs to challenge himself a little bit at this point. Ben Mendelsohn, I think. And I, you know, you know how much I like um, the Last Jedi, but um, I think he needs he needs to try something new to to, to refresh himself a bit. Rogue One, do you mean? Uh, oh, it's Rogue One, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Is it Rogue One that he's in? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, you love the Last Jedi, don't you? <laughs> yeah, so much. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm also going to have to go in a few. So let's let's touch upon the sequence that we. Let's end on a positive. <laughs> yeah. Um. How the fuck they managed to get away with doing the shining sequence? Yeah, is just a hell of a thing. Like this is a twelve A film. Yeah. which features a pretty, you know, maybe not the, the, the most naked bits, but a pretty fucking faithful recreation of Room 237. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I was I was sat there watching that, that particular scene in that sequence going, how far are they going to go with this? Yes. And, yeah. I thought what they were going to do is, I thought you'd see you know, the the naked woman walking towards H and then you'd cut away to an outside shot of the door and you'd hear him screaming and uh, you'd hear her screaming and going, ah, like that or something. But no, they went full on and, you know, made you look at it. And that was, yeah, that was weird. I did like the whole, I don't know what's going on, but I'm into this, which is basically (laughs) what I think Nicholson's inner monologue would have been in The Shining as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, it just, it's... Like, the way those CG characters are in the lobby, like, that main yeah. room of the Overlook Hotel is eerie. Yeah. It's that, that moment where they walk through the doors and into the hotel, that really made me gasp. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, fuck, right, okay. And then they walk, and you see... You know, you see the shot of the Overlook Hotel from the top of the stairs, mm. looking down, and then you go right, and then you get the shot from the other side as well, and you see them walking down the stairs. Yeah, and then you notice that there's the that it's I don't know if it was shot in thirty five mil or if it was they had some sort of filter over the top of it or what what that was, 
when you notice that and you're like, oh my God, right, this is this is very interesting. And then they're, they're stood around talking and you're, you're busy taking in the scenery and H sort of wanders off and you're like, oh my God, they're going to do the twins. Yeah. And then they're going to do the lift. And seeing that CG character, particularly in the, the, the bit with the blood and the lift, where the, the lift doors yeah. start to open and the blood comes rushing out and it's all washing around them, I'm like, how did they do that? Like the, you know, the lighting of, of the walls and everything is fucking bang on. Like yes. it's absolutely bang on. It's just the fact, and the fact you've got the score just playing in yeah. the background as well. But not just like yeah. the dun dun dun, but also the the mm. kind of like the, the the you know you know what I mean like the kind of the yeah. weird strings or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just there's that it's that fight like before it goes all zombie-ish, and I'm kind of glad they did explain that. Like it's like yeah. there aren't any zombies in the show. Yeah, you know, I'm glad they <laughs> did. I'm glad they explained that. But like just. For five minutes, you're in Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, but yeah. with these CG characters. Yeah. And it's this fucking um, weird fucking cognitive dissonance. And it... Yeah. Like, yeah, I might... Like, seriously, like, it was as close to jaw-dropping as I think I've yeah. ever had in a film. Yeah, yeah. It was very, very, very impressive. And it, it was almost like... It reminded me a little bit of like <laughs> this is gonna sound silly now, but it's it's like Wreck It Ralph, where you are experiencing completely different worlds, but your character in the middle of it is, you know, a completely different character that you're now familiar with. Being able to do that in a film like The Shining just seems such an odd tra- If it had been Back to the Future Two world, or if it had been, you know, oh now they're in Ghostbusters. Or now they're in mm. even something else like I don't know um, Independence Day or just just something more modern, just you know a modern blockbuster or Star Wars. Even it would have it would have been like, all oh, right, yeah, that's what they've chosen to do. But The Shining, like, just such an odd choice. And yeah. I'd be interested to know if that's what happens in the book. Uh, it um, must be. Yeah, like, it yeah. must be. Uh, it it just... must be. I guess. I just I was wondering if it was a choice on Steven Spielberg's part just because it's Steven Spielberg I don't know because um, I mean it's The Shining's an 80s film but only just only just 18, yeah, yeah. I think it was 80 yeah it, yeah. it, I, it just so. I, I don't know it's the it's the one sequence in the film that I will really remember um, yeah. and I like my audience were into it as well and the thing is I I bet there were some kids after who were like, I want to watch The Shining. And it's like, nope, nope, <laughs> nope, you're not fucking doing it. Like, like, I will not be able to show Ready Player One to lots for no. a good long while now. I mean, it should almost be like rated 15 and then in the BBC BBFC certification because your kids will want to watch The Shining after. <laughs> Contain, contains mild The Shining. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, I, it's I just, I know, it contains gratuitous The Shining. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, oh. It's not really that mild, is it? So. Oh my god! Like just fucking the full bore. That's brilliant. Even though it's conspicuous lack of Jack Nicholson, as I as I said to you earlier on WhatsApp. Yeah. But um, 
<laughs> just have to wonder if like they asked Jack Nicholson. He was like, no. No? <laughs> Go, no. Either that or he asked for a lot of fucking money. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. his image rights. He's not, you know, um, he's no slouch as he's, he wouldn't have been backwards about telling him to, to fuck. No, no, that's, 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 that, that's the one thing about that scene where as soon as the axe comes through the door, you're oh, like, you, th- you think you're going to see him. Am I going to see Jack Nicholson now? Um, so, yeah, mild, mild disappointment there. But um, and, and and also from a licensing point of view, considering it's so eighties, conspicuous absence of Nintendo. Uh, yeah, that's true. Actually, there was conspicuous absence of a lot of video games it's, in the eighties. Really, it's it? basically. Microsoft it's were like Mario or Sonic or no, no. I mean, Microsoft were like, yeah, you can have Minecraft, yeah, you can have Halo, and that yeah. was about it. Yeah. Oh well, no, you had the Overwatch one; she was in there. So you know, there, there are a few, and I'm sure there's well, a fight. I would oh, Mortal Kombat. Not, there was there was a Mortal Kombat they, one. Yeah, they mention um, GoldenEye. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's about... Oh, they mention Mario Kart and they mention GoldenEye. We don't see anything. Mm. Um, but I think, generally speaking, it didn't feel like there was a lot of classic video game stuff in there. I mean, you've got the Atari 2600 stuff, mm. but I don't really class Atari, Atari as, as, as classic gaming, really. That's kind of... You get into classic gaming a little bit after that. That, that was... Um, I, I, that was just one other thing as well. Just the way that the second Easter egg is this really complex look into Halliday's life. And then the third one is uh, the, the the first Easter egg in a video game. Yeah. yeah. You know, just like a trivia thing. I don't know. Like the first yeah. one was like a logic puzzle. The second one was like this deep psychological thing. And then the third one was just, it's, yeah, it, you know, this is an Easter egg. You've got to find the Easter egg. An Easter egg, yeah. What was the first Easter egg? Yeah. It doesn't feel, it feels like somebody might have come, come to that a bit quicker. Yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're playing all these Atari games. And, it, it, you know, it's just, they've got all these, like, people in the IOI office, like, talking about all the pop culture buying these fucking games. I mean, the whole kind of pop culture knowledge is currency thing. Is is this film trying to say that's a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. That so what was the what was the name of the game then? Adventure. The, the Easter egg in it. Adventurer. Adventure. Literally oh, adventure. adventure. Twenty six hundred. Okay. Uh, okay. In the second paragraph of the Wikipedia for adventure on the Atari twenty six hundred, it says. In this game, he introduced the first widely known video game Easter egg, a secret room containing text crediting yourself for the game's creation. So it's literally in the second paragraph of the Wikipedia. It wouldn't have took a lot of searching around to find this information and to give it the, to, you know, to potentially look at that. If we're looking for Easter eggs, this was the first Easter egg. That's an easy find. I don't know. Yeah. I think you're right. There you go. So, Ready Player One. Thing is, yeah. definitely, it's. I, I, I think it's definitely not shit. Though I have called on it. 
Yeah, I I gave it a three out. Of, I gave it a three out of five. I think I'd be tempted to bump that down to a two and a half and say that it's touching cloth. Yeah, it, it's visually it's visually got a lot going on. It's visually entertaining. The whole of the shining sequence is visually stunning. I mean, that might but, be my my sequence of the year. In all in all honesty, right. like. Yeah. that's artificially bumping this film up in my mind for how much I enjoyed that enjoyed that 10 minutes or so yeah I can see that I think it's just um, it's a it's a it's not a good story at all and it's very clumsily it's very clumsily written and it's very convenient at times and there's way too much exposition it's just the bones of the film don't sit right with me at all yeah fair so. Um, I don't think we did a poll because it's not out yet. So, um, Noel, you coming on for Pacific Rim next week? Is that next week? Yeah. Yes, I guess I am. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what day is it actually out? It's out on the Friday. It's out on the Friday. So okay. this coming Friday, like the twenty third. Okay. Um, I might not get to see it until Monday or Tuesday. Ah, fuck you, man. We can record in the week. It's all good. Um, Mark and I will also be uh, reviewing the Steven Soderbergh uh, shot on an iPhone horror movie Unsane Um, ah yeah yeah should be interesting Um, it's funny because I've seen I've seen that on the side of a bus Uh, I've seen that on the sides of buses recently and I've sort of sniggered at it and sort of gone Unsane that's the lamest name for a movie I've ever heard and then I saw the trailer the other day and saw that it was Steven Soderbergh and then remembered that it was the, the movie that shot on iPhone. I was like, oh, no, I really do actually want to see that. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's a bad title. It's just a schlocky a fucking title. Movie. But, you know, it we'll sounds like a. It sounds like a metal album from the 90s or something. Mm. Or like a... It sounds like, you know, something that, like a song by Marilyn Manson or something. It's just, it's not a good... I'm saying the uh, gold album by Disturbed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so thank you, Noel. Um, we'll 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 see what you think of Pacific Rim. We're we're both coming at it at uh, polar opposites of anticipation. I think it's fair to say. Uh, I just want to have a good time. Man. I, I, if anything, it means that Pacific Rim in 4K Dolby Vision will probably be a fiver on iTunes this week. So mm-hmm. that's enough for me. And also, you know what? Enjoy it because it's the last Pacific Rim film we're ever going to get. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, yeah, you'd have to fucking be so, wouldn't you? Um, uh, good, uh, good old John Boyega. Let's see what happens. Um, right, so that is it for episode 248 of Do The Monkey, do the monkey at gmail.com, uh, at Ian Loring, uh, at The Noel Mella, at Dude Foz, Adventures in VHS 2, the podcast is now available, holy fuck. It is. It's, it's very, it's very well produced and it inspired me to introduce music at the end of the podcast, which you might be hearing around now, depending on when the vocal kicks in. <laughs> Nice. And yeah, new episode will be up by the end of the month as well. It might be, it might be a part one of two, just because of the way things are looking. Oh, is this the transform? Right, no, should I say? Ah. No, no, yeah, yeah. It's it's a, it's a it's a my complete sort of ode to Transformers from Fuck. 
the TV show to the movie to the ties to everything. So I'm going to be speaking to, well, I have spoken to um, the original editor and writer from the comic. I've spoken to Brian Vault-Weiss, who directed, uh, sorry, created and produced the ties that made us for Netflix. Um, and there's a third guest that I'll be interviewing this week as well, who's approaching things more from a academic perspective around animation and what it meant at the time and stuff like that. So, but it's shaping up to be a bit of a beast. So I'm starting to think that I might, I, I might split it down into two and just have two sort of like, um, you know, 45, 50 minute episodes or something. C- uh, considering trying, trying to get it done in time as well as a factor. So, yeah. Considering you've written a book, that kind of feels like it's your life's work. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, That's the thing, though. It's, it's a little bit like if I put this one episode out about Transformers, because it's such a big thing for me, Transformers, and I'm, I'm sort of re-experiencing a lot of things with it. If I just do this as one episode now, I'm going to be like, fuck, where do I go from here? Do all my episodes have to be like this now? Yeah. So... Yeah, so I think breaking it down sort of hopefully manages expectations for the future. Yeah, I think that's a fair idea. Well, shit, that sounds great. Um, the the first episode of the what I suppose you could call the new series was uh, uh, was very very good listening as well. Not great listening for driving back from the cinema at like half eleven at night and hearing all these fucking vintage creepy fucking eighties <laughs> music and ads and stuff and just the fu- fucking Zamo. Grange Hill, yeah, like because it ends with some sort of like repeating thing, which just <laughs> yeah, fucking it's, it's a bit like Halloween, yeah. Uh, it, sorry, a bit like uh, Friday the Thirteenth. It just fucking like I was like I was just driving along, and just like I need I actually need this to end. I need Noel to start <laughs> talking again. Um, fucking nobody ever. No, no, no. I well, I, I really genuinely did. I was fucking creeped out. Um, oh god! And then later on, it was that fucking one about the the water being unsuspectingly oh god, the, the public service. Yeah, that's, oh. that's very dark. Very dark. That was not yeah. good. Right. On that note, I better go because I've overrun like a motherfucker. So thank you, Noel, and uh, we'll speak to you next week. Guys. Better to be safe.